the girl. Hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line brawl to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morasky teeing off on one another. And Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, let's call it like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right back. Right, right. He's not that Ripson. He's just lost. Still Grimson. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Still Grimson. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Vinnie Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. He absolutely decked him great with a wild right. A sheer stagger by a big left hand by Wade Bielek. Chris Nyland on a penalty shot. Scores! Bugard down the wing. Bugard bombs away. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 16 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Uh, today's guest is someone uh, someone who is a good old SPHL veteran. Uh, he played with uh, another former guest, who was uh, Mike DeGurse, but today's guest is uh, Mr. Luke Phillips, and Luke was an awesome interview. We had a great time. It's funny, I've, I was supposed to release this, like, uh, uh, maybe three weeks ago probably I told him I was like you know yeah yeah your episode will be out next Tuesday and you know holidays kind of come around and you start getting busy start planning uh we took a trip up north so we we were driving we got got a new car and you know everything like that so we had to go get a bunch of stuff for the new car because it's all geared for Florida so we had to you know uh, get like different fluid and all that other bullshit for it because we're going up north so uh, I apologize to Luke this episode's a little bit late but I mean We'll start it with a bang then, with the uh, tough dude in the uh, in the SPHL, with the uh, the new year coming around. And you know, speaking of new year, you know, hope everybody had a good holiday. Uh, whatever you celebrate, hope hope you enjoyed time. I know I enjoyed the time with my family up there in the uh, the Quad Cities. It was a really fun time. And big shout out to Jay. Uh, and you know, hopefully you're listening. I know I know you get behind on work and you only you don't have that long of a drive, but. Uh, for those out there, Jay is a you know I don't want to say I hate the term like like Darren says I hate the term follower but uh, I'll say friend fucking friend yeah you just screw it um, friend now especially after what he did uh, he managed to hook my family up with tickets to the uh, the Quad City Storm game up there in the SPHL so you know it's only fitting I guess that we have Luke Phillips SPHL veteran on but uh, you know it was really cool you hooked our hooked my whole family up with tickets and got to go up there and meet him and his dad in person and the the mallard shrine that they had from the old quad city mallard days uh just endless pictures he had pictures of sigroy toporowski goulash mcfarlane uh steve mack when he was there i mean the list goes on it was an insane shrine it was it was honestly like traveling into a uh, getting into a time machine and going back in time brought me right back to my childhood from watching the uh, the mallards play up there in uh, in the quad cities so it was a good time, and I was a little disappointed though. They, uh, the weather wasn't that good for us. It was a little bit warmer than I wanted it to be. We're out here in the Florida heat and trying to escape it, and uh, sure enough, it's like fifty and sixty degrees up there. What the hell, man? Uh, 
<laughs> sucks that we didn't get around to uh, getting the cold weather, I guess. But we actually ended up attending, like I said, the SPHL game up there with the Quad City Storm. And I got to say, it was a great time. Probably, probably actually some of the most fun I've had in a long time at a hockey game. So they, uh, well, I mean, you know, $2, $2 bush light before the puck drops is always a plus. Um, <laughs> so they, uh, the game was good though. There was no fights and I'm not, you know, again, um, contrary to popular belief, um, I don't need to see a fight every game in order to enjoy it. The literally the biggest thing is just hard nosed hockey, just, you know, finishing the checks, scoring goals, grinding it out in the corners, maybe showing a little bit of emotion and we got all of it there. It was fantastic. Yeah, of course, sure enough, like the next game, he, I think Jay just messaged me. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. And sure enough, the one, the next game they played, I think it was two games after they played, there was like, you know, four fights or whatever. But uh, no, it was still really cool, man. And I really appreciate you, you know, giving us the tickets for that and hooking the family up. Like I said, it was, we had a great time. Uh, there was even a guy over there on the, um, I, you know, of course, I, I apologize. I don't know any of the names of the boys over there on the Storm or the uh, Rivermen from Peoria. But um yeah, one of the, like, you know, checks were being finished left and right, and then at the end of the period one time, Divine's over there. I think it was, his name was Divine or Devin, maybe. I apologize again. Fucking, I don't follow the roster. I'm not that big into it. Uh was just going to have a little fun, and Jay was telling me that the rivalry's pretty good and definitely doesn't disappoint. And he's over there, and refs wouldn't let him go, but he's over there challenging the bench, just going down the line of every single guy, going to, like, you know, you, 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 and then fucking cutthroat gesture and everything oh it was great i loved it um you know you don't see anything like that well one you'd be fine in the nhl and then everybody would need their safe space anymore but that's besides the fact I had a lot more fun at this minor league game than i definitely did at an nhl game and that's kind of it's kind of sad actually but you know i know the rough stuff isn't everybody's cup of tea anymore and that's kind of what this podcast is for but well like I want to cover a uh, couple things real quick before you know we get into the episode here. I got my notes and everything like that. So uh, uh, a couple months back, well actually it was probably last month. Like you know I keep I've been putting it off because I wanted to wait, and uh, that's the LNH special. And I've got interviews uh, lined up with some guys, some good guys actually. Uh, if everything goes through, and uh, I'll have Renard back on, and uh, I'm not going to say the other guests, but I, I definitely got some good ones lined up. And you know I've already got the. Uh, the ones with Darren and uh, John over in the UK. I got those, the fan, I guess that was the fan interviews for the LNH. Um, excuse me, let me get some water real quick. <clears throat> there we go. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I already got, got those interviews done and uh, I got, just got to get the players done. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to grind it out a little bit. I've been kind of lazy on that now, but it's still coming. So, you know, just be on the lookout for it. I, I'm hoping to have it done completely. Well, not, I won't say done completely. Cause I don't know. I still not a hundred percent if I'm going to make it a one part or a two part or just like a one, one episode, or if it's going to be like a two part special. Um, if I can get the play, like the right amount of players, I think it'll end up being a two part special, but, uh, nonetheless, it's going to be good. So, uh, just be on the lookout for that. That's coming out later on down the line here. Um, and one thing I wanted to address too, uh, one thing I'm going to try to work on. So, you know, I was in the military. I swear a lot. And I apologize if any listeners are out there. You know, I I didn't really notice it until I think some somebody pointed out on Twitter, and they you know they weren't saying it as a, like a bad thing. I forget who it was, and I apologize because um, it was a few weeks back. Um, 
but I do swear a lot, so I do apologize. So I'm going to try to work on that, and I, it's going to sound bad, but I partially blame that too, a little bit of the uh, the booze or the alcohol, because that's just what I do when you know we're sitting there interviewing a player, we'll sit down and crack beers or pour myself a little drink, and then getting all loosened up, and being in the military, I mean, saying curse words is like a second language pretty much, you know? Um, so I'm going to try to work on that and not, not say them as much, or at least, you know, I'll drop an F-bombs left and right. I think that during the fourth line voice interview, the very first interview I had, um, I think it was saying like every other sentence. But, I mean, I, was, I wasn't even half in the bag. I was, I was ankles deep in the bag. <laughs> we'll put it that way by the end of that one. So, um, excuse me. So I'm I'm gonna try to improve on that and you know be a little bit more professional. It's not you know how professional could I fucking be? That's yeah, there we go, <laughs> right there. But just trying to keep it. You know I'm still gonna curse. It's still an open podcast. I don't give a shit. But you know it's not gonna be like uh, I'm gonna try to tone it down just a little bit. So it's you know people aren't hearing it left and right every other sentence out of me. So I apologize. It's just my you know my background. You know profanity was like a second language, like I said, but. You know, nonetheless, uh, I think uh, I think I've had some great feedback so far, and I really appreciate everybody that does listen, and you know, all those that promote the show. There's too many to the name, uh, but you know, I, I really can't thank you guys enough for the, those who actually do, and you know, it it really does mean a lot to me because kind of came out of nowhere, and I know I don't want to step on any toes with uh, Fourth Line Voice and Darren, and of course, me and Darren had private conversation talking about it beforehand but I know it kind of seemed a little bit weird because we all we all talk to the same people right so it's just a little bit weird coming in and you know here I am some fucking 23 year old kid coming in here oh, yeah, was I, yeah I was still 23 so I, for, I forget how old I am anymore after 21 I stopped caring because um, that's the only that's the last age you need to care about him anymore but so it's been good all the reception I've gotten so far has been great and I you know again I, I really can't thank everybody that supported it enough it's been a great time and hopefully I can bring you some some good interviews coming up. I got I got a couple other guys lined up right now. So hopefully I can give you guys some good content coming up for 20, 2020. Ah, that's weird to say 2020. Jesus. It still feels like 2010 was like three years ago. But anyways, uh, last but not least, I want to thank, uh, you know, Luke Phillips for coming on. Ending the year on a high note, I think, with uh, this lovely interview that he put on. He's got a really funny bus station there. Was it a bus station? I can't remember now. It was either like a bus station or like a truck stop or something. But, oh, man, it had me in tears when he first uh, first told it. So uh, he's got a lot of great stories, and especially um, especially over there riding shotgun with uh, Goose, uh, Mike DeGurse, who was also another guest. And, you know, I uh, want to give Mike a big shout-out because he was the one who kind of directed me for Luke and was able to get me, uh, get me in contact with Luke kind of and, you know, set the whole thing up because uh, – at that point, it was kind of, it was like the point where it was like kind of getting hard to get guests for whatever reason. People would read, you know, read, read my spiel of, Hey, you know, I'd like to come on the show and they just don't reply. And you know, it is what it is, but it's a little frustrating. But anyway, nonetheless, it was, uh, no, it was cool. It was cool of Mike to do that and direct me towards Luke. And I was able to bang out this interview. So, uh, again, I appreciate Luke coming on and, you know, one last thanks to all the, uh, the podcast who shout, shout the show out such as, uh, you know, fourth line voice, William over at the biscuit, the boys at get the gate. Oh, they just had a really good, uh, good episode with what was it? The sweater. Oh, they were talking about jerseys and it got me, it was got me fiending for it. Cause of course I collect the game worn. So 
that in, that or not interview that that episode was good. And then of course, Fourth Line Voice just had one with uh, legendary enforcer John Nasty Morasty. So definitely go check that one out. And uh, William just had one with Nate Kaiser. Yeah, that's who it was. Just listened to that one today actually in the truck. Uh, Nate Kaiser, who was a ECHL Carolina Stingrays or excuse me South Carolina Stingrays, a tough guy, and then turned MMA. So you know all the pods that that shout me out and you know always everybody that retweets it all you guys on twitter for the most part it's pretty much where i am is on twitter so everybody that retweets it and you know pumps up the show i really i really do appreciate it it's you know i started late in the year i think we started this podcast in september so here we are now but it really has been a good time i'm running on 11 minutes i never like to keep this over 10 minutes so uh, i'll start wrapping it up here but <clears throat> excuse me um you know, go ahead and give the account a follow on Twitter. It's uh, five for fighting. It's the number five and then four fighting. Uh, go ahead and give them a or give the account a follow on Twitter, and then Instagram. It's spelled out like five for fighting. Same with Facebook. And then uh, if you're, you know, you need to get your daily fix of hockey videos. Well, one, go check out Fourth Line Voice YouTube. Uh, he's got over two thousand videos. Of course, that's where I find a lot of fights. And same with Win Probert was king. Old Steve. Uh, who's big into the hockey fight scene too? Who runs WinProbertWasKing.com? Go give him a, a uh, go go give his page a look. A look. He uh, he's actually doing something. Oh, what was it? They're, I think Darren was talking about it, but they're doing something with like they might do a newsletter again, and that's really cool because I never got to experience that with my millennial ass. So I think that'll be a fun time. You know, getting a newsletter or something like that where it's like like old times. Um, you know, before social media and. All you had was pretty much snail mail, I guess. So uh, definitely go check that out. I know I think Darren or uh, Steve said they got a big thing coming up. So uh, like I said, go check out WinProbertWasKing.com. And then uh, last but not least, go check out the Facebook group called Best Enforcers in Hockey Fights. It's something uh, I created and I got, you know, it's getting a little bit bigger and growing every day. So uh, basically it's all just of all about fights and enforcers and every, and if anybody on there is like kind of disrespectful towards players or not staying on topic with fighting or enforcers, they just get the boot. I don't really give a shit. I don't lose any sleep over it. Uh, we got a lot of former players in there. Like, like John Morasty, uh, Dean Mayran, Mike Segroy, um, Kevin Kaminsky, guys like that. They're all in it. So, and I actually think, I think Stu Grimson just joined now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, definitely go check that out on Facebook. So anyways, we're running on 13 minutes here. You're here to listen to Luke Phillips, not my not myself yap. So without further ado, we'll pass it over to him and thank you guys and hope you guys had a happy new year and hope you enjoy. Bye y'all. This should be good. This should be very good. All right, and on the Five for Fighting Podcast, today's guest is none other than a man who had one thousand four hundred and seventy eight career penalty minutes. He played five seasons in the SPHL, including little little cup of coffee in the IHL. None other than Luke Phillips. Luke, how you doing today, man? How's it going, brother? That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, doing good over here. You well, fuck it took <laughs> took us trial and error here. We go try take number three over here. Fucking yeah, I've been, I've been around the holidays. You know, I've, been, I've, I've been so busy. You know, it's just been crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been. Uh, it, it's yeah, things life happens, right? Exactly. Fucking a. But you know, nonetheless, we make it happen tonight. So I think it'll be a good one. Um, Yes, sir. So, well, you know, before we get into everything, I kind of like to ask guys, uh, you know, what are you up to kind of in uh, life after hockey? Uh, not much at the moment. Uh, after hockey, I kind of got into oil rigs and rigging. I was doing that for a couple of years. And then, uh, like I was saying before we started, I got in a, a bad car accident about two or three years ago where I pretty much uh, 
busted everything, shattered my pelvis, broke my tailbone, punctured my heart, and broke my ribs. Punctured your heart? Bunch Jesus, bunch of, fuck. Yeah, one of my ribs broke and did it. And then uh, the cop that found me, I, I live way up in the like rural woods almost. So it was like 11 o'clock at night. No one was around. Luckily, an off-duty cop got to be driving by and saw my truck at a launching ramp. And it was like, it's pouring rain. Like, that's a really weird time to be launching a boat. So when she turned around to come check it out, she said she almost ran me over because I was crawling out of the ditch, just covered in blood. And apparently I was, I was yelling, like, I wasn't driving. Like, holy oh, <laughs> <guilty conscience." laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> like, No man. one drives my truck, right? So I felt bad because they sent a swim team into the river looking for the driver. And I, I don't remember any of it, so... Well, fuck, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to remember that shit, man. <laughs> Fucking punctured heart, broken ribs, yeah, and pelvis shit. Yeah, I'm like, it'd be, it'd be cool to, like, see a movie after, like, what actually happened. At the same time, I think it's being blocked out for probably a really good reason. Yeah, fucking A, no kidding. But it's been quite the journey. Uh, people think I'm crazy for saying it, but I think it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, not physically, obviously, but it's uh, definitely slowed me down and let me appreciate more things in life. You know, what people are close to you, what matters, you know, money doesn't matter. You know, you need money, but it's not what makes you happy. You know, I've had money. I've not had money. It's been the same. So it kind of makes you refocus and retool and work with what you got. I mean, I remember seeing some guys in the hospital with no legs. I'm like, I couldn't even imagine. But then after a couple of months, it's like, no, I, I think I could, man. I mean, humans are built to adapt to their environments and what's going on. I mean, no one wants to lose a leg, but if you if you do or an arm, you know, if you do, you can you can get through it. And I try to look at it as this is an opportunity, or opportunity for me to do something great post accident. You know, not just get better and you know survive. To try and do something to maybe help others out um, with the mental the mental side of it because it's a the physical side is one thing. But the mental strain that you know accidents or injuries put on a person in general are are tough, and they're not really talked about that much. And I equivocate that to the same thing as like when guys leave hockey. You know, you do anything for a certain amount of years, it just becomes you and what you do. Then all of a sudden, you know, with hockey, it's just done, and you don't get any calls anymore. And then you got to try and you know retool and figure that out. So it's it's something I think that needs to be talked about a bit more. And I know a lot of guys struggle with it, but it, it seems now in hockey culture that it's starting to become more aware right? and help out a lot more people. And it's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, it's it's always crazy to me that, you know, like there's – I believe they have it in the NHL as far as programs is for like life after hockey. But in, in leagues like you played in like, you know, the SPHL and everything like that, I don't think they – I don't think they really did that shit, right? Where it was just like kind of like, you know – transitioning after hockey and it's kind of like the military almost like we do one transition class it's for like a week long and then literally you sign your papers and never hear about it again and it's like jesus christ yeah. you're like holy fuck yeah, I was we, don't, uh, <laughs> we don't really get that 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 exit interview type thing right which I mean, understandable i mean you could sit down every person you cut i mean there'd be that's like holding hands but um there should be i think with the nhl too there's only a couple years after you're done that you can actually qualify for it Right. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's like, you know, a lot of these people is, you know, I, I always go back to the military because it's all I know kind of, you know, I've only been out of the military for about a year now. Um, but it's, well, it's like, sure. I appreciate that. Um, it's just like the, uh, like, like with hockey, you know, everybody who's played hockey, you know, grows up playing when they're pretty much able to walk. And that's all they know their whole life, especially going through the leagues. And then one day it all just stops. It's like the military. That's all I knew. You know, that's all I wanted to do for the longest time. Then I only was able to do four years and got out. Um, 
And it's just like the same thing. It's like that's all you want to do, and then out of nowhere, one day it all just comes to a fucking end, and you're kind of left like, yeah. holy shit. <laughs> and I mean, it, it literally, when the day it happens too, it literally feels like it came out of out of nowhere. Like, whoa, now now what am I going to do? And you know, it's, I, I, what I struggled with a lot was not having that structure. Like I knew come, you know, I wasn't that great, not a shape guy, but come June or July, I'd pretend to start working out and getting ready. Right. And all of a sudden you don't have that. It's like, I got so much free time. And then you just do, you know, stupid things. You get fat, you eat different because you weren't allowed to eat certain things your whole life. And now you can. And just the structure of having to be somewhere all the time and be held accountable. And that's gone. And it's like, well, what am I going to do now? Exactly. Like, fuck. You know, I'm, I'm, trying to go, I'm trying to go back in. Exactly. I'm trying to go back in next year. Um, well, oh, I don't know how many times I've been like, you know what? I might be injured, but I bet you I can make it come back. Just one more year. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I see some of the scraps now. They're not as good as the old days. Well, I'm like, oh, I got tired just watching that. No, I'm good. Right, fuck, man, and, and you know these scraps now too. They're not even. There's no marathon scraps anymore, man. Like you'll never see that Probert McSorley type fucking shit ever again. It's just I was like just say, yeah, there's there's so much you can take from that fight if you just show people that don't quite understand. It's it's a long fight which you don't ever get anymore. But two or three times in that fight, I know one time specifically McSorley goes down. Probert lets him up. Doesn't hit him all he's down. He lets him up to keep the fight going. There's no respect like that anymore. And not only that, back then, those guys fought to hurt. They didn't oh, yeah. fight to throw a couple punches, get one or two in, and then tie up and talk about it in the penalty box. They were, go back and look at some of Wonder Park's fights. Even when he was on the ice, he was laying into them because he was mad. It was a real fight. Oh, yeah. And Everybody's... nowadays, with linesmen as well, they jump in a little too early sometimes, I feel. But it's a dying, uh, dying aspect of the game. And it's, it's sad because the stick works up, the penalty's up, the dentistry's up. Oh, yeah. And it's all because they don't have anyone scared to do anything. I mean, guys like, you know, NHL, McDavid, and, and the Leafs just getting beat up and knocked around, and there's nothing they can do. But that's why Boston's perfect, because all their tough guys can still play. Oh, yeah. Fuck, the Leafs didn't have a fighting major until I think it was, like, last week. They didn't have a single fighting yeah, major was, until then. Yeah, and actually, I watched the fight, too, and it was, I mean, it was a fight, but... Mm. Oh, he just seat-belted, and he kind of held on. But, I mean, you know, to him, I mean... It doesn't look that great, but I'm not one to really judge because, I mean, fuck, you're still a pro athlete fucking dropping gloves, and my fat ass is over here on the couch drinking beer, so. <laughs> yeah, I just I think that I've wrestled harder with my girlfriend sometimes in right. some of the fights that I've seen. Fucking that, that count as, what I love was when there was, there was a fight earlier this year, and it was such a bad fight that the wrestler was like, no, nah, just two minutes for roughing. Like they dropped their gloves. It's like, no, nah, no, that doesn't count. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think it was that West McCauley, too. He's kind of like, that's not a fight. Oh, fucking West McCauley. Fuck, I got him on the intro now. I just changed the intro, and that's what he fucking, he's all, oh, five oh, minutes for fighting. He's awesome. Blah. Yeah, he is. He did that the other night. He did the fighting thing, and did the, the whole hand motion. And fucking like, A, yeah. That's exactly what I have on the intro. They always be a part of the game. Yeah, they always try to be a part of the game the worst way, by making calls. Doing little things like that. That's where you can get seen. Right, that's that, you exactly. know I, I can appreciate that shit, yeah, especially with with you know normally I don't like it if a linesman is kind of trying to you know do stuff like that, but in the, in the sense of like fighting and kind of hyping up the crowd since fighting is you know pretty much gone the way of the dinosaur in hockey, I don't mind that. I, I like that actually because you know it, it's it's always talked about now with still with fighting and you know oh it's head injuries blah 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 this and that and. I went to a lightning game. It was the only game I went to, and I just mentioned this last episode. Uh, it was the only game I went to. I don't watch it anymore, but the father-in-law likes to go, and they'll get free tickets, and they'll invite me every once in a while, and we'll just go keeping up relations with the father-in-law. Um, and so, 
you know, there was two fights, and fucking McDonough got a standing ovation. And the, I mean, was the fight that great? No. It was the first hockey fight I saw in about six years if I had to fucking think about it. I can't even remember the last one I saw before that. Standing ovation and everything, and, you know, it's, but somehow it's bad for the game. And, you know, I didn't see anybody running out of their seats to go fucking hide in their car, go to the parking lot in disgust, and drive back home because there was a fight on the ice, you know? Yeah, old guys are fighting. I'm offended. I'm going to leave. Hey, not. Fighting is just like overtime. You don't get out of your seat. You don't leave because you don't want to miss anything. Oh, yeah, 100%. And there's a reason that entire fight, like that entire arena was probably about as loud as it was for a goal when McDonough was skating off the ice. And like I said, it wasn't, the great, it, was, it wasn't like some fucking toe-to-toe shit, but it was just standing up for the goaltender, which is, you know, yeah. it, it creates that energy, and, you know, the, the fans loved it. And like I said, it was probably, lo- if not louder, than how it was when there was a fucking goal scored. So I don't know where this rhetoric that comes out that, you know, fighting is bad for the game and people don't like to see that or, you know, if go watch MMA. That's the typical fucking reply that's just always super annoying. Like, you just don't fucking get it. No, you don't because you can't kick on skates and, and yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's They don't realize, yeah, like what you said about, I don't know where it's coming from, like, the players love it. The GMs like it because it protects their top players. The fans love it. So where is it becoming an issue that is it, it's people that have never played hockey that are watching that are like, well, oh, this is too rough. Okay, well, you know, watch soccer. Nothing against soccer, but I mean, you still see some injuries there. But right. nothing like, I mean, what other sport besides lacrosse can you stand there and just fight a guy that you're mad at, go to the box, buy the beer after? You know, it's right. I and think what, when you when you build up that aggression more and you have a stick in your hand and blades in your feet, I think by not letting them fight, you're kind of asking them to do push them in another direction, which. I don't know why they would because it's it's not like there was it got to the point like the, the Quebec League where there was fifteen fights a game. You know? there was <laughs> no, it was never two like or that. Three and I remember watching a hockey game with uh, Mike DeGurse at his house, and it was not a great game. I don't remember who it was. Um, and I was like, "Why are you even watching this?" And because him being a fighter, he was just watching the fourth line guys when they went out because he could see them something going on with them, and all of a sudden there'd be a fight. And I'm like, "How did you know that was coming?" Because I just watched the fourth liners because. You know, you know the Oars playing like Colton Orr, and then if you know Eng- uh, England and other teams, it's like they get out on ice at the same time. You never know. Yeah. Whereas nowadays they don't have that at all. No, it's it's rough to watch now. And you know, I'm not a person. I don't have to see a fight every game to be satisfied in hockey. But it's like you you go to the games too, and then you fucking you don't even see a hit. You don't hear the boards rattle. Then somehow by the end of the game, the hits are 25 to 33, and you're like, what what the fuck was that? <laughs> like, like what, what do you mean? What constitutes a hit? Right, you know, like, like Jesus Christ. Right, and so it's just, uh, well, fuck, like you said, it's, it was nowhere near like the fucking LNH over there in Quebec. Of course, you know, DeGurs played in that shit, and what a fucking animal for that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, yeah. I couldn't fucking imagine playing in that fucking league. I mean, I love that league, though, because, you know, it's. I, I understand why people have a distaste for it, but it was the only league like that, so I don't really, you know, I put it kind of in its own world, and if you just appreciate it for what it actually is and don't take it over the top series, I think you could actually really fucking love the league. Well, the thing is, too, it's like it got, you know, dubbed the fighting league or whatever it was or, you know, a really dangerous league, but if there's that many fights, okay, well, there's still hockey and there's still talented guys playing. It's not like MMA where it's just fighting. Oh, yeah. Like if if you're offended by MMA, then don't watch it. If you were watching, you know, the Quebec League game, there's too many fights, don't watch it. Watch something else. You know, leave everyone that likes it. It's the, mini- the minority now. Um, anyone with a, an asshole and an opinion 
um, kind of can say whatever they want. It ruins it for the vast majority, I think. Right. And, and with what... concussions, I've never seen a thing with uh, Big Earn. Um, he was saying Sidney Crosby's got more concussions than I do, and I've been in like 300 fights. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that was an Ice Guardians, I think. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yep, that's a great Congrats fucking documentary. And they have the doctor backing it up. Like, I've seen more concussions with, you know, hits in the stomach than I have in the head. Oh, yeah. It happens. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one to talk. I've been, I made a career of breaking a guy's hands with my face. So, I mean, I'm, I got to get cocky, so I can't really talk on that right. brightly. But, uh, but I know I've got more concussions probably from throwing a big hit and just doing it wrong and, you know, winning myself rather than getting punched in the face like a speed bag. Right. And like, like that, the... though, though that has happened. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like you said, with the whole like the, the that's why I laugh at when people say, "Well, oh, if you don't like it, go watch MMA or whatever." Like you know, you Neanderthal. I'm like, well, so you willingly sat down and said, "You know what? I like hockey. I'm going to start watching hockey." So you willingly started watching a sport that had fighting in it, but somehow you're going to tell the people who have been fans for years to go fuck themselves and go watch UFC or go watch MMA. Maybe you should reevaluate yeah. your shit then. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, girls hockey, and they're still you know aggressive scrums and not quite fights so the gloves are off, but they get into it too. And it's part of the game. Oh yeah. It'll happen. No matter it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's like one of the fastest games in the world. You have a club in your hand to hit people with tensions get hot. Fuck. It happens in beer league. You know, to go everywhere you go, no matter where, what, what the level of hockey is, uh, the rules in place. Sometimes shit will just always boil over and somebody's going to get pissed and somebody's going to want to fight. It happens from fucking Bantam all the way up to the NHL even into beer leagues and whatever the case is, you know, even like he's like we just said, women's hockey. Fuck. I'm sure even in sledge hockey, I believe I've seen a couple fucking, you know, dudes get pissed at each other and that's, Oh yeah. There's no hitting in sledge hockey. Like, you know, it's, and these guys are fucking absolute warriors out there already who have to go out there, you know, whether they are missing limbs or they don't have any uh, movement in their limbs and they'll still fucking throw. And obviously they're not yeah. fucking throwing a bunch of punches because you know, it's all harder on sledge. But, you know, like I said, tensions rise. So no matter what league you see in hockey, it's always going to be there. Look, look at uh, minor minor kids, like young kids. There's, sometimes they fight and they're on the same team because they just know it's hockey, it's fun. It's, one kid gets mad and, you know, as long as you can kind of keep it, you know, without turning into gladiator, I think that really shouldn't be a problem with them. I don't know where the big thing has come up from that has become such an issue. I mean... Yeah, the Leafs almost at Christmas time. They barely have one fight. Like they, I used to love the Leafs when they had Tucker and Corson and Domi and you know guys that would play. But would you know when shit got real, fuck, they were they were tossing. Oh yeah, fuck, I used to I love the Islanders bench once, and it created this huge thing. This uh, uh, Steve Webb ended up becoming a fan favorite. I don't even know if he played more than one year. And I remember I remember watching him, and he was awesome. Just ran around, hit everything, fought everything. Was a little prick. And that was the kind of hockey I enjoyed. I didn't care so much for the least, but just what they had put together was, it's a tough team that right. had talent, though. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck, I love Darcy Tucker, man. Darcy Tucker was just, he was like a little fucking pit bull, man. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> uh, one of the highlights of my career was uh, when uh, Victoria, a bunch of years back, they had an expansion East Coast team come in. I think it was the Salmon Kings. And that's right in my backyard, so I got an invite to camp, and I made it on TSN. Uh, it's like, nope, that's not Darcy Tucker. That's you know, they didn't even say my name, but it was me. And I was like, all right, it kind of took the sting out of getting cut right away, but still, <laughs> it was it was kind of nice to know that I was looking a little bit like him. Right there, you go. <laughs> fucking a man. Well, you know, speaking of your career, let's start fucking diving into this bitch. All right, so all right. It, well, 
Looking here, man, I, I you know, I was looking at your stats and everything like that, and for the O two, O three season, well I guess I guess we'll start from the beginning. So did you kinda start off playing hockey like as a kid, you know, because you were born in BC, uh typical Canadian kid where you pretty much born on skates or did you kinda start playing hockey a little bit later in your life? Nope, pretty much as long as I can remember I've I've been on skates. Like I tell people I was probably had my first pair on at two and I probably started to learn to skate at three. So I it was where we lived, uh, there was a golf course kind of not too far, so we'd always, my dad was taking us up there to the, where all the water traps were, and we'd have little hockey games on there, and just anywhere we could get to find ice of any kind, we'd just, we'd go skate, and I was in love with it before I even, before I even knew it. It was just kind of like in, ingrained in me. And I got a little brother too, so I always beat him up and made him play. I was about to say, you practice your fights on him? Playing for a little bit. Yeah, pretty much. Him and the dogs. <laughs> But one of, the first, one of my first hockey memories was my dad put his gloves on me and he said, this is how you throw gloves off. And I said, well, why do you do that? Because if someone pisses you off, you take your gloves off. So, All right. That's one of my first early hockey memories. So uh, I, I'm not saying he pushed me in that direction, but well, I think I always had a You know, you needed it. it back then. No matter, it, it didn't matter what it was because, you know, there was tough guys everywhere. So you, you almost kind of needed it. And I think that should be actually, you know, something like that should be kind of taught now at at certain class or um, like certain certain teams is you don't necessarily have to have a fight school, but just know how to protect yourself. Cause it seems like guys nowadays don't know how to protect themselves. No, not at all. Right. Not so, at all. And, and it's, it's like, that's the same thing with hitting. Like how early is it? Like when is it too early for them to hit? But if you leave it too long, you know, suddenly you get a 14 year old kid that has a growth spurt and he's 180 pounds hitting a, you know, five foot two, 85 pound kid. You know, because they're the same age. One had a growth spurt, one didn't. Right. But a lot of times with that little kid, like I was always, always the smallest kid um, when I played. And I took pride in that because I always tried to hit the bigger guys because they thought they could take advantage of me. But I was I was properly taught how to hit, how to, you know, keep yourself safe, what to be aware for. I think I only got hit on a bad once. I got hit from behind pretty good and uh, broke two vertebrae. But, Ooh. again, that was my fault. Right. I pissed the guy. I pissed the guy off, and I'm like, "Yeah, he won't be back." And sure enough, yeah, he did. Yeah, he came, yeah. From the other side of the ice <laughs> he came back. <laughs> yeah, was, all I could think of when I woke up was like, "Yeah, I screwed that up." <laughs> Fucking a. Well, you know, I, I was looking at your stats, and I can't seem to find what team you played for in '02 and '03. And it was right before you went over to the uh, the Southeast Hockey League with Huntsville. Um, you know, jogging your memory. Do you, you kind of remember? You know, who that would have been. Bagley, uh, I left. Like, I played junior in the uh, interior in Vancouver. Here, I played two years like in Vancouver in the Pacific International Junior Hockey League, and then I played two years up in a place called Creston, British Columbia, uh, with my brother. And then from there, I was like, I don't want to stop playing. And like, no one was, you know, I made a f- couple phone calls, got in contact with uh, some guy that knew a team in Texas for Odessa, and they gave me a tryout. So I took a. We didn't have a lot of money, so I had to take a five-day uh, Greyhound bus from Vancouver to uh, Odessa, Texas. That and was at, probably fun. At 20 years old, that'll that'll grow you up real quick. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Fucking a, I, 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 I can't stand on buses. I four different people with food just to just to watch me while I slept because I was I was nervous. Sacramento <laughs> was scary. El Paso was like another world. It was terrifying. And then when I got off the bus in Odessa, the coach was like, uh, Greg Gatto, I think was the time, his assistant coach, like, just call us when you get in. And I got in like four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, well, fuck, I'm going to call the new coach. 
and wake him up at four in the morning, right? That's just stupid. I'll wait till eight o'clock and he's up and now I'll call him. It's just a couple hours, nice warm, you know, Texas night. And this, uh, this little tracker pulls up. Y'all know the next bus from Dallas is coming in? I'm sitting in literally under a, a lap post with two hockey bags and a, a bag of Wendy's. I'm looking around like, you talking to me? All right. <laughs> so I walk up to him. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, maybe you can help me out. I'm like, all right. I need some dick. I'm like, what? Oh, my. I need some dick. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And it was a transvestite. <laughs> so the next morning, I waited until I'm sitting there for like three hours. Like, there's no way that just happened. Do you know what? I bet you the team set me up. They do the shit to rookies all the time. So Gattle picked me up and we started talking a bit. And uh, finally, I was like, hey, you know, good try on the prank. What are you talking about? So you sent a tranny to the bus station to try and have sex with me? That's real funny. And he, he stopped the car and he looked at me. Did you have sex with the tranny at the bus station? <laughs> he said, no, you guys tried to set me up. And he said, fuck that. First practice, he's like, just so everyone knows each other, this is Luke. He tried to have sex with the tranny at a Greyhound station. I'm like, that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up setting myself up before I even oh uh, my got God. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. You know, it's funny you say that. that a, welcome to pros. All, all I picture. All I can picture is, do you watch Trailer Park Boys at all? Oh yeah! Fucking all I can picture is like Donna, fucking like Randy Bobandy's like she male that he fucking has <laughs> yeah. later on. That's all I can picture, like asking for this at the fucking at the bus station. That's fucking hilarious, man. So open about it to the point where I'm like, I don't really believe her, but I have no choice but to believe her because I'm not going to investigate. <laughs> well, it's fucking, not I'm going to be. I'm not going to Sherlock Holmes that and try and figure it out. I'll just take it your word and please leave. <laughs> oh man! Well, when you got to the team, man, what was it like getting there? Uh, it was, you know, exciting, scary. I had uh, broken my leg like a month and a half before prior playing summer baseball. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to train. So that was that was a bit nerve-wracking. But uh, the camp went really well. The guys were great. Um, I made it all the way through the cuts, and it was down to me and this one veteran center. But he had a really bad back, so they weren't sure. So I technically made it through first cut, like last cuts, and I was kind of on the team. And then like a game or two into the year, they're like, no, this guy's feeling better. So, you know, we're going to send you back home. I said, please don't send me back home. <laughs> please don't send, like, well, send me back to that bus stop. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so he pulled out literally this giant black book that said big black book of hockey. And I'm like, all right, it's like the Bible. And you open it up and it's every pro team with their, you know, their uh, home address, their phone numbers, fax numbers, the coaches, their cell phone number, everything. So I think the first coach I called was, that was in the Southeastern Hockey League, was Fayetteville. And they're just like, nope. And I called, uh, who was next? It might have been Huntsville next. And I got Giddy on the phone. And he's like, wow, wow. And he knew the coach in Texas. So he's like, yeah, I talked to him. He said, you're good shit. Get up here. All right. <laughs> so I jumped on a bus and they actually helped me get a flight. And then when I got into Alabama, it was like midnight and they had the stick guy come pick me up. And to Scotty's defense, he looks very deliverance like. <laughs> keep in mind, I'm 20 years old. First time I'm in the Southern States. And this guy picks me up in a van and he's like, you want to see something cool? I'm like, not really. I no, please don't show me. Hotel, I've had enough fucking weird things with dicks yeah, going I've on lately. Weird shit. Yeah. So he pulls off on the dirt road for, for a bit and then up, it was the space center, but I didn't know that. I thought he was taking me in the woods or something. I'm like, Oh my God. Weird <laughs> Can you hear the fucking banjo it. start playing louder? <laughs> oh, I was, I was nervous. Yeah. I was like, what did I get into? But then he took me a little Kinta and it was, it was all good after that. But yeah, it was, 
it was sketchy. And Coach Bull was funny because there was a guy that was trying out that I'd actually met in the summer in Whistler that he blew his knee out. So I at least knew someone there. And uh, when I first got there, too, Gatto said, uh, look for Patterson and DeGurse. I said, why is that? He goes, they'll be leading the team. Try and fight DeGurse right away. That'll get you on the team. I was like, okay. Didn't ask anything about him. Didn't, you know, we didn't really have phones or Google back then. So I asked around and then saw who it was. And I was like, oh, shit. It's going to hurt, but whatever. And I think I was like, hey, you diverse? He's like, yeah. I go, we're going. He just laughed at me. He goes, get in line, kid. And I was like, that's kind of nice. Saved my life. Oh, and fuck. then he coached, uh, he coached our first exhibition game. And then it was him and Patterson in the bench. He's like, I don't want anyone stepping over those boards unless they're going to fight. I think I was the first one over. So I fought, got out of the penalty box. The second I got out of the penalty box, someone jumped me. And that was my, uh, that was my tryout. So I was on the phone with my parents, like, I need to get home. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get cut. And managed to stick around. They liked what they saw, I guess. Hey, they took balls, and they, that's, what they, that's what they were probably looking for. I'm hoping so, yeah. I think they saw a little, little bit of uh, Phil Daigle in me, so uh, I think they wanted to see if that <laughs> came to fruition at all. And being a little general, or a big general, pretty pretty tight. I'm, I'm the little general. He's the big general. Right. But he was a much tougher, better skilled player than I was by far. When did you kind of start embracing that role? Like, you know, this is kind of what I'm going to have to do to, if I want to make some teams. Like, when did when did that? Like, when did, did you have to make a mental change at one point while you were playing, or did you kind of was it always there? You know, when you started playing, I think if I had paid attention more, I mean, it's always been there, but not as predominantly as I eventually let it get. I was always, you know, I could score and I could make plays, and I was really good defensively, and I was willing to do that. Um, and I just knew, you know, going into any tryouts, all my junior trials, I, I fought two or three times because I just knew that that's what they want. They wanted to see that you could do it. Right. And, uh, my first year was good. Um, our first home opener, uh, I got in a fight and just hearing the crowd, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to do this again, at least once more. And then the first year was great. I almost got 20 goals. Uh, it was a great season, but then it slowly became, wow, the crowd really likes this. And so I kind of started doing that more rather than focusing on actually scoring. And, you know, it was still a bit there, but it, it slowly, gradually went to just the fighting the longer I played. Right. You kind of – well, what, it's almost like once you start, you're not able to stop because then everybody just keeps coming up to you at that point. You know, hey, we got to go, we yeah. got to go, we got to go. So it's just like – that's just how you get pigeonholed, and it's kind of just like, I don't know, the nature of the beast with that. Um, but, you know, it's – like you said – when you uh, you're talking about kind of you weren't the biggest guy on the team, but sometimes that's what people don't realize is it's not always about whether you, if you win all your fights. You know, obviously you can't be a fucking punching bag out there, but you know just the, just dropping the gloves will get you fucking noticed, and people and yeah, exactly. teammates will appreciate that. My signal was always, and I thought it was a bit of a a scapegoat, but uh, I would always only fight guys that were bigger than me because if I lose, well, I'm not supposed to win. Right, but they're bigger than me. Win, that looks pretty good. And at least if I'm not supposed to win, I still show up. That's all that matters. Right, exactly. It's a fuck. That's a that's actually a really smart way of looking at it, man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. If you, I mean, I if you thought, if you, know, you get dummy, it's not that bad because he was bigger than me. It's like you said, you're supposed to lose. So. I think the worst I got dummied, um, Jeff Hansen. He did a Gibby. Gibby specifically told me not to fight. I'm like, okay. He said, "You want to fight?" I'm like, "All right." He didn't even, he didn't even hear give me in my head, but we had played them like 20 times or some shit that first year. So I got him mixed up with this other kid that was a lefty 
So we're going, and halfway through, I just see this giant right, and I was like, oh, shit, this is the wrong guy. And then, bam, Hannah caught me right on the chin, and I could hear bells, and I grabbed him, like, Hannah, don't fucking hit me. I don't know where I am. And luckily, he was nice enough to not cuff me anymore. Sat in the penalty box, they kicked me out. The second I stepped off the ice, I don't remember a thing. Awesome. Woke up in Huntsville. We were playing in Knoxville. I was like, yeah, I think I got beat on that one. <laughs> yeah. And I never heard of the end of my coach either. He's like, you see, that's why you don't do that. I'm like, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, I see your point, coach. You got me there. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't be the last time I wouldn't listen, though. So. <laughs> right. Well, um, you know, you get there and you, you got some pretty pretty tough dudes on your fucking team, man. And not only that, you were – you uh, well, actually, you led the team in – in penalty minutes your first year there, uh, just right, of course, riding shotgun with you right behind you was uh, none other than Mike, Mike DeGers. But you managed to put up 32 yeah. points, too, man. You were fucking, you you and Goose were ripping it up. Goose had 61 with 242 pims. Fucking A. <laughs> well, I think a lot of those I have to thank uh, DeGers for because <clears throat> I think it was what happened through the season. We had a couple injuries. And he taught Gideon to put me on the power play. And I think our power play, like, the four other guys were all snipers and had like 40 and 50 points. And they literally just said, stand next to that post. And I would stand there. No one would pay attention to me. And all of a sudden I get the puck and I look up and Goose like, put it in the fucking net. Like, oh shit. Okay. So I got a lot of points just by standing there and being in the way. Cause the other four were just so good. Like, a lot of times they just shoot the puck off of me, but that first year, I was, it was, it was fun and crazy and a whirlwind. Um, met a lot of great people. We won a championship that year. Mind you, it was only a four-team league, but a win's a win. I mean, we, we grinded for a lot of that. Well, yeah, those leagues well. were yeah. fucking – it was an absolute grind back then, man. Like, fuck, there's – you know, two of you guys had over 200 pims. Fuck, you almost had 300. And then, you know, two other yeah. guys had almost 200. So, I mean, fuck, it's it's no joke. You know, like you said, a no, win's a win. I remember <clears> – and we didn't, we didn't really uh, scout for – like, we didn't intentionally bring just toughness. A lot of our skilled guys just – that was our, our greatest thing that our team recognized as is that our tough guys can score and our scorers can fight. And that's, we took a lot of pride in that. And I remember one time Fayetteville got annoyed of us just beating the shit out of them. So they brought in like two or three goons from uh, Quebec league. I think Matt Goody, I think was one of them. Um, I thought Bruce Watson in that. And they brought him in. I think in the first four minutes, there's 10 fights. Holy shit. And, we were just, uh, and our skill guys were like, all right, who's next? But one of our guys, Greg Stotowski, grabbed the guy's helmet and just beat him with it. <laughs> so we ended up getting a – we were on a penalty kill, and even on a penalty kill, our guys were still like, all right, let's keep – we can do this all day. And we ended up winning, and it was – you know, that was our team identity was, you want if you want to fuck around, we'll fuck around. We have no problem doing that. But if you're not going to fuck around, we're going to play. And we were good at both. Right. That's, the, that's, that's pretty much the fucking best team you could have, man, is – when it comes time to you know put the put the frozen black thing in the back of the net and uh, you can do it, and then when when people want to play fucking hee haw with the fuck around gang, you guys are ready to roll. You know that's kind of kind of the best best team to have, honestly. Yeah, we had a pretty good ace in the hole with the Gers as well because it's if, if the team wants to mess around with everyone on the team, that's fine. But then you get the goose, and it's like nah, now nah, we're good. I mean, right. they tried messing with them once against Winston-Salem at home, and I think Goose just walked onto the bench and started throwing punches. And they was like, oh, shit, I guess we're getting into it. <laughs> and Goose knew their, knew their coach, too, and he was kind of like, just don't piss them off. And before you know it, Goose is in Winston-Salem's bench just beating the crap out of three or four guys, and we're all jumping over the bench. And I was like, Jesus. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking A. Love, gotta love hockey in the South, man. Um, oh, it's beautiful. You know, so you – well, fuck, your first year there, you win the championship. Man, what was that kind of like winning the championship? It was surreal because I had never really won one before. 
uh, at any other level. Uh, I played good minor hockey, but not enough to where we would, you know, win anything. Like maybe a Christmas tournament here or there. And then in junior, I was always, always on the worst team. I don't know why. Actually, I started out with this team called the Queens Park Pirates, and we were the worst team in the league my very first year. And then the second year, we were actually looking good. I'm like, this is awesome. And then I got traded to the second worst team from the year before, which now became the worst league or the worst team that second year. I'm like, I cannot catch a friggin' break. <laughs> and then uh, my third year, I'd had enough. Uh, my brother just started playing in the Tootney, so I went up there, and he talked to his coach, and they traded for me. And they had no idea what kind of player I was. So I showed up and uh, pretty much a day before a game, and on the bus, we were going to Kimberly. And uh, they said, well, where do you play? I'm like, forward. He goes, well, we only have a defense spot open. I'm like, I can make it work. So second shift, I just fucking laid this kid out, little kid, too. And I stood over. I'm like, next time you think twice, go come on my side, bitch. And the coach was like, you can't hit a guy and stand over top of him and mock him. I'm like, why not? It's like, you don't do that in this league. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> and then at the end of the game, they ended up scoring an empty netter. And the guy, I thought, celebrated a little too hard. So I suckered him because – the league I came from is if you're down two or three with a couple minutes left, you fight. Give the fans, your home fans, something, right? So this right. guy you, just you kind send, of celebrated a little a, bit too much. Send them a message. Yeah, he celebrated a little bit too much. I just want him to know, like, if you're scoring up in that goal, that's fine, but don't be a dick about it. So I just cuffed this guy, and before I knew it, I had three guys on me in the corner, and there were fans that were up on the glass reaching over and punching me in the head, and my <laughs> team is just sitting on the bench like, what the fuck did we just get? Who is this guy? My brother's like, ah, shit, that's my brother. <laughs> and, I, and I come out after him, like, wasn't that awesome? They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, that was fun. They're like, oh, shit, we got to deal with this. Yeah, well, fuck <laughs> but I ended, up, I ended up actually having a couple good years up there. I had one year where I had like 56 points, I think, and almost 500 penalty minutes. Oh, man, fuck, nay. 500? Yeah. 500 is crazy. I was, I was three minutes, three minutes <clears throat> away from it, and the ref knew it, too, and I was call him a cocksucker and everything you could think of and he's just like i'm not giving it to you I'm like why not he's like because i know what you need you know to, to get your 500 i'm not giving you any penalties tonight so i just tried flashing and hooking everyone and he would not give me a penalty kiss me off <laughs> <laughs> fucking you really like going for the old whl toporowski record there with, uh, yeah it? exactly five five. Actually, they sent me to the all-star game and i had to have a sit down with the commissioner like you're not gonna fight at the all-star game right I'm like why the fuck did i fight at the all-star game no I mean, I almost did, but it was my own team. <laughs> oh, shit. That's great. Well, the next year, man, so, you know, coming off of that, uh, that, that championship win, there's a couple guys I want to ask you about that you fought. Um, you, you happen to fight a guy who was, uh, you know, he played in the South and also went over to the LNH for a little bit. Actually, you fought two guys who went over to the LNH, but um, one of them was Jason Bone. What was it like fighting him? Oh, Bone. That guy's awesome. Uh, it was scary. Um, I don't know how PG this has got to be, but uh, oh, dude, native, it's fucking un- you know, anyone from shit. Canada knows with with natives they don't stay down, and they are very they are strong willed and tough as shit. And I can't remember he had a scrum once or twice before. And I'm like whatever, and then one time he tried to fight me and I had the flu and he called me a pussy. Which granted, I can see why he would think that. And then we actually yeah we had a we had a fairly good one and. Uh, after he said, you know, good job, which I didn't expect. It just It was a thing of respect that I really didn't see coming, uh, but I respected him a hell of a lot more after that, and he was he was tough. He was a, one of those guys that I really – I always fought better when I was scared, so I enjoyed it, but I was very much more on the defensive side of I just didn't want him to get his hands loose. I was tied up pretty good, but still trying to chuck. Right. Um, 
Yeah, fucking bone, man. I was, I would, who was I think I just saw in some, I think some group, some, uh, one of the Enforcer jersey groups I fucking follow. I uh, just got one of his jerseys from, I think, the Quebec Radio X, which is pretty fucking sweet. But, um, oh, yeah. Another guy you happen to fight also, well, he only, it was funny, he only played six games and managed to rack up uh, 117 PIM was, uh, fucking Marc Andre Waugh. What was it like fighting him? <laughs> I don't really remember it that well. I, I vaguely remember, uh, I think he was in Asheville. Yes, he was. He was, he was with the Asheville and, Aces. Yeah, I think there was, I didn't know who he was. Someone along, like, in warm-up said that's, that's Waugh and, you know, he's a Canucks draft pick or some shit like that. All I heard was he was tough and they brought him in. So right away my brain went to, all right, we'll see how tough. And I honestly don't remember the fight, but I don't, I didn't get beat up too bad in too many of them. So I don't remember. I don't think it's probably a draw. Right. <laughs> but I, I remember seeing him in warm up just thinking like this guy's out of his fucking mind. Like just some of the things he would do, it's like not what you would do a warm up. Like you would skate the opposite way than the other team and just the red line the whole time. I understood that. But I was just thinking like this guy's got to know that we got a tough ass team that all of our guys are like bidding to fight him. Like and he looked excited about it. Right. Fucking A. Um, yeah, he was he fucking he stayed in the LNH for a while too, if I remember right. Um I haven't fucking now have his stats pulled up. But yeah, that's fucking crazy. I managed to only play six games and fucking get hundred and seventeen penalty minutes, so <laughs> fuck you, you know what he was there for. Impressive. Yeah, you know what he was there for. Um I wonder if any I wonder if he had any tucks <laughs> or apples. Oh fuck, I don't know. I should I'd be able to look that up. I'll have to look that up after. Um I'm sure someone someone shot one off of him. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, another guy you happened to fight uh, was uh, one Mr. Uh, Bob McMillan. What was it like fighting him? Oh, Krusty. I can't believe I remember that. Yeah, Krusty the Clown, we used to call him, because <laughs> he had just the biggest, curliest hair, and it would stick out of his ear flaps in his helmet. And he mouthed everyone off, and he didn't come across as super tough. Like He, he could hold his own, but he wasn't like a degurser. Or Hanson like that that you generally had to be scared of. But I actually enjoyed playing against him because you knew that if shit got real, I had someone that I could grab that, you know, has no problem doing something about it. Whereas a lot of other guys, like, they might be scores or you might just, you know, destroy them so there's really no point. Whereas when we played them, I think he was in Macon, man. Um, it, was, it, it added to the competitiveness of, of each game because they had a Rivard as well, and he was pretty tough. Ryan Rivard. Right. Um, well, you know, you, you've been you've been fighting for two years in the league now at this point. Um, w- were you kind of doing any, any, like, training as far as, like, you know, like boxing or MMA off the ice, anything like that? No. No. I'd, uh, when I went home in the summers, I'd usually fight with my friends. And uh, <laughs> just that was pretty much how we kept in shape. It wasn't quite the same, but um, I almost felt – I, sh- I probably should have done more boxing and better training, but I just found if I left the summer to build up anger and frustration, just push it down until the season starts and get a lot of explosiveness after that because you've been taken out on someone else. But I should have done more. The, the, the training that I did was pretty much to get ready for training camp, not like now where you got to be mid-season shape by the time you know you show up to training camp. Back, back then, training camp for me was that's when you get in shape. Right. Um, fuck. I mean, hey, that's not a bad way to do it, though. Just kind of, you know, go back home, 
drink some beers and then go throw some fucking nucks afterwards or later on in the season. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. And it was never really a hatred thing. It was just like, oh, you think you're tough tonight? Okay, maybe you are, maybe you're not. Let's see. <laughs> Let right. me finish this beer first. I'm not wasted one, and then we'll then we'll see what's what. <laughs> um, did you ever do any like jersey tricks? You know, I'm a big jersey nerd, so I always like to ask if anybody like if you I don't know put an extra tie down in or put some extra like uh, fucking material in the sleeves or anything like that. I had uh, both my uh, sleeves at the at the wrist uh, widened so that my arm could slip out a little okay. bit instead of like if someone grabbed me by the hand. There would still be enough loose. Uh, jersey that I could kind of slip my hand out of. Um, that was pretty much the only thing. I know I had my fight strap sewn on a couple times and it just got ripped right off. Um, but I never really did any big... Cause I, know, I, I remember when I, I got traded over to Knoxville, I had a couple fights and my jersey got pulled over and I could not... I think Tom Wilson almost beat the fucking wheels off me. Thank God he didn't because he got the jersey over my head and I was just... All I could think of was like, I'm dead. Wilson had a a disgusting uppercut left and I, I was just waiting for it and he, when I saw the video he held up once he had the jersey over but uh, like in Huntsville that was never a problem because I could at least pull my arm out of my sleeve and get my head free and when I went to Knoxville I didn't even think about asking the trainers or the equipment guys to make it bigger because when I went from I was spoiled in Huntsville they did so much for us that I didn't even realize like they um, helped pay fines and we got sticks and we got we got everything just top notch for that league so like when i went up to knoxville not only was i you know top opinion number one when i went there because i was such a dick when i played against them but uh i learned quickly that i get a lot of fines <laughs> i never <laughs> thought i got them before but they, they gave me like 300 dollars once of fines i'm like well don't you pay these they're like no no shit okay i'll behave <laughs> fuck and i didn't i ended up getting a 10 gamer and a thousand dollar fine later that year Oh Jesus! I jumped this guy and I jumped the guy in warm up. Oh, how bad you how bad you beat him up? Pretty bad, I think. He, uh, just, I think his name was Bartle or something. He played in Winston Salem, and it was just another guy in the ice. You know, you just don't like. But what did it for me was uh, when I was in Knoxville. My wife was still in Huntsville, and she was pregnant. So they went uh, for just a quick game out in North Carolina and back. I didn't make the trip because I stayed with my wife, and I found out uh, that he was talking shit about my wife, trying to you know entice me. So before we went out for the warm-up, uh, the game that we ended up playing them again at home, one of the guys was like, hey, remember what he said about your wife? And I was like, no, I didn't until now. And he's like, 20 bucks says you won't get him a warm-up. I'm like, make sure it's ready. So we go out there, and I, I go right to center ice, and he skated the center ice line twice, and on the second time, I said, skate on this third time and see what the fuck happens. And sure enough, just like in uh, Flapshot, he came, I just stuck at him, he went flying in the air, he had a guy following him, but two hand in the legs and broke a stick, so I punched him once or twice, got out of the way. By then, this Bartle guy got back up, and I pretty much threw until I couldn't feel my hands. And I looked at one of his teammates, and I'm like, get him out of here, I'm going to start kicking, because I'm not done. <laughs> Picked up all my gear, lined back up in the, in the half moon for shots, and I could barely hold my stick. And all I could think of was like, man, I can't believe I got away with that. No, the refs were in the stands, and the coach was like, take the shit off. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, ten games, ten games, $1,000 fine, and I couldn't get paid by the team in the meantime. So <laughs> what the Knoxville fans did, because they're amazing people as well, is because I was, my wife was pregnant, they passed around a milk jug. Um, as a baby gift. So I got to use some of that to pay my fine, and I also bought a hot water heater for my house, So, and a bunch of baby stuff, which was great. 
Yeah, so it was almost it was almost kind of worth it. You got a new water heater out of the fucking deal. <laughs> new water heater, fine, paid off, and a bit of a vacation. Yeah, that was pretty good. And you beat the doors <laughs> off the dude talking shit. So hey, fuck, that's a win win for you. <laughs> oh, it pissed me off because he got to stay in the game and then he jumped one of our goal scorers after. I'm like, what? Why? So I'm just sitting in the stands trying to eat it. Like, ah. right. Fuck. Just trying not to go beat his ass in the parking lot after. <laughs> well, I almost had to do one of those ones too with uh, Mike Scroy. Oh, you really? Know, old Scroy, a former yeah. guest of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny story with him. We were down in Florida, and we had back-to-back games against the Florida Seals. And the first game, I actually got like two goals and assists, played really good. The second game, we just we didn't have it. And I was just being, you know, I was running around being an idiot, just trying to get something to fight because it was like 5-1 or something in a second. I'm like, just come on, just I want a one, two, three, and get out of here type thing. So I was just such a dick to the point no one would fight me that I eventually got tossed. And as I was going off, I was yelling down. The, 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 their old arena was in an old rodeo barn. So there was tons of, you drive a, a pickup truck around the ice before you got to the stands. It was so open. So I kind of heard a skirmish and anything of it. And I just happened to look to my right and there was five cops holding this guy down. I'm like, what the fuck? And I recognized it was Freud because I remembered him from Hockey Gladiators. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's really fucking bad. And I'm looking around, oh, he's mad at me. Because I guess he was skating with Florida at the time, waiting for a contract to get cleared up. So once I saw he had five uh, five cops on him, I'm like, you fucking pussy. And then I ran in the change room. <laughs> and I remember leaving the the for the bus after the game, and I carried two two hockey blades in my hands. Cause I, was, I was certain he was going to meet me in the parking lot. And that's not a man I don't think I could have put up any kind of defense on. He was He was a big boy. Well, not only that, fucking Segroy does a lot of shit off the ice too. As far as MMA and shit, man, he's a he's a big motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and I was on skates and just I, I, my biggest mistake was I saw the cops. I was like, I could get opportunity to chirp him, which just made him matter. And I was like, why the fuck? Why did I do that? I know why I did it because I'm a dick, but still, it was uh, that's my Mark Scroy story. And then a week later, Gibby, a coach, he's like, yeah, I traded for Scroy. I'm like, oh, please tell me you're kidding because he's gonna kill me the second he walks in this change room. <laughs> We never ended up getting him, thank God. I think he went to Utica instead, but yeah, he's a seeing that that rage in his eyes and knowing that it was directed at me, it it spooked me. It's funny for because sure. yeah, he looks like one of those guys. Like he's such a super nice guy, but then as soon as that like switch is just flipped, like it's just like I don't know. It's like a shark when their eyes like roll over to black, and you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was just like this guy's not in his own mind right now. Right, he's in he's in he's in go zone. Like this is this is gonna be bad. <laughs> oh shit! Well, man, another guy you fought. Uh, fuck, I, you know, I'm looking through your fight card here. You fought him a shit ton. Was uh, Daryl Moore? What was it like fighting him? Oh, the old Red Rooster. That was always a hatred fight. Uh, I never met him outside uh, of the rink, but we were somewhat similar in the way we played. Um, you know, always went to the wall for our teammates and always jumped in. So he was someone early on that I noticed that I just, I loved to hit and get under his skin. And he was always obliging, usually to fight. And they're always usually fairly good fights. Um, I remember one time I fought his brother. And then as he was getting taken off, I chirped Daryl. And he kind of came at me. So the the brothers both got kicked out because of me. And then when they were, they were leaving, they tried fighting in the stands. And I was just like, holy shit, I think I caused all of that. <laughs> <laughs> all I could think of was like, my mother, my mother would be proud. 
I managed to make two people lose their goddamn minds just by using my mouth. <laughs> so we had a lot of battles with him, and uh, we had Stall on that team as well, too, and I have the utmost respect for him because he, he was, I mean, even though he was against me my whole career, he always showed a lot of respect towards me um, that I didn't think as a younger player I deserved or had earned it yet. But right from the get-go, it was, it was he was very respectful and a great fighter. I, I used to love fighting him because he would keep score while he was fighting. What? I remember one time he he punched me in the face twice and then I kind of held on. He's like two nothing me and I looked up. And I'm like, are you fucking keeping score? And then and then he hit me again. I'm like, son of a bitch. So I hit him. He's at three one. I'm like, I can't believe this guy's keeping score right now. Like he's literally playing with me. But after he's like, hey, good job, kid. You know, you know, way to stand up, way to stick up. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm getting shit for fighting you, but hey, thanks. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious, man. It's like I don't know. It's like like something you do when you were you'd be like a kid or some shit. But that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Two shots. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in one now. And I hear him counting. And I, I actually got hit a third time because I, I popped my head up, like, stopped fighting. Like, are you fucking counting right now? And then, wham, caught me in the chin. I'm like, Jesus Christ. This crazy son of a bitch is counting. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Well, the next year, man, uh, coming into 06, 07, uh, you know, DeGurus was only, he only played 19 games that year. But you also happened to get a uh, couple other people in there. Uh, you had. Yourself with 317 pims, and then you also had Justin Schmidt with 274. What was it like playing with him? Oh, Schmidt, he's a nutball. Okay, he's, he's insane. He's, <laughs> he's, he's tough, but he's not a great fighter, or he wasn't back then. He, he always bite off more than he would chew. He was like a young pup, I, I always found. Uh, always willing to go, always willing to stick up for his team. Sometimes he would try and fight some guys, and we're just like, please don't. We just, we didn't, you might do well, but maybe not. I mean, he was a really good defenseman, though, too. He actually had a fair bit of talent. Um, I didn't really notice it, actually, until... I mean, I noticed it in practice and stuff, but I didn't see what kind of a fierce competitor he was until he got... I think he ended up going to Winston-Salem. So when I actually had to play against him, that's when I really saw the, the real Schmitty, um, as far as a player, where he brought that toughness and that skill level as well. As soon as our team, he came in as a rookie, and it was just like, ah, this goofball with a funny hair that says and does really weird things and, you know, is trying to fight everything. But then you see him on the other side, it's like, well, we kind of missed that on a team, to be honest, because it's, you know, it's one guy that's willing to stick up for everyone no matter what. So if he's on the ice, you know that nothing's bad is going to happen because at least someone will jump in for you. Right. Or, or someone's going to be on the ice to start a bunch of shit that you can jump into as well. Right. Fucking hey, that's kind of. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're willing, then fucking by all means, go right on ahead. Just don't get caught. Exactly. Don't get caught clean. I guess. <laughs> Best of luck. Yeah. <clears throat> oh shit. Um, he got caught clean a couple times, and it did not face him at all. <laughs> fuck. Like he'd go down, but then he'd get back up, and he'd, be, he'd get so mad, he'd be like, "I'm going him again." It's like, dude, just don't. You, you already <laughs> did. It didn't work out well. He's like, "No, I'm doing it. I don't, I'm not gonna talk you out of it." <laughs> fuck it. All right, man. And he would always go back. He would always go back. <laughs> it's like a like a like you said it's like a puppy it always come back <laughs> no matter what yeah and I, once, once you kind of learned uh you know uh the, the league and the team atmosphere a bit a bit better he really you know got better as a player too and when he realized he didn't have to fight i'm sure it was similar with me too is that once he realized you don't you don't have to fight every single game and it's not like juniors where you're down two or three goals and you have to fight you know we don't we like to but it was just nice to realize oh we don't actually have to right 
Exactly. Because like we never had a coach send us out, but I think a lot of us, our coaching puts us on the ice. We're like, yeah, we know what we got to do. Uh, that's not what I wanted. <laughs> right. Fuck. Well, another another guy you fought too, uh, another tough bastard, and I think we mentioned him earlier. Is either before we started or right right when we started um, was Matt Goody. What was it like fighting him? Oh man, that was like David fighting Goliath. That guy was a big, big man. Um, I was six six two two fifty. It's fucking huge. Yeah, I was always I was always nervous going against fighting him because he was just one of those guys that he just needs one one or two good ones. So you got to be really on your game. Um, he probably won, I'd say, all, all the fights. There was one in Knoxville we had that was really good. And he came up to me in Knoxville and he was like, listen, if we're going to fight, we're going to do it clean. I'm like, what are you talking about clean? He goes, no sticking, no eye gouging, no things in the mouth. I'm like, that's you. That's not me. I upset <laughs> me, but it's not just me. Because uh, the last time I had played him, he, he eye gouged my thumb, or thumb, my, thumb my eye. And the ref thought I was faking it. I'm like, my eyes fucking bleeding. What are you talking about? And he was, I remember I tried to get him to go once and I two-handed him so hard in the back, I used the wood stick. I'd snap my stick. Did not even phase him. And I was like, oh, shit, what did I just do? Like, fuck. <laughs> so he was, he, was, he was tough. Yeah, that's not, that's not again, good when you can two-hand uh, a guy and you fucking don't even phase him. I didn't even flinch. Luckily, a defenseman of mine jumped in before anything really bad happened. But uh, we squared up a couple times and had some decent ones. Uh, and again, that's what I love about hockey fighters, too, is that we despised each other for a good year or two and never really met off the ice. But then after one of, the, one of our good fights, it was just a respect thing. Like, hey, man, good job. You know, crowd got what they wanted type thing. And I'm glad we got it done. It was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's all right. You're a decent guy then, I guess. Because I'd only, you know, heard from fellow teammates that he's a guy I'd never seen any of it. So, yeah, he was, uh, he was a big boy. Right. Well, you know, you know, kind of sidetracking from the fights a little bit here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big minor league guy. I always loved all the minor leagues and um, you know, all the southern, southern leagues. What was it like playing down in Huntsville as far as, like, the fans and everything like that? You know, how was it? Oh, I think Montreal has the greatest fans in the world. It's just, you come from Canada, you hear Southern hospitality a whole lot. Um, in Huntsville, they, they prove it on every level. Uh, I remember my first year down there, um, my family invited me over for Thanksgiving, which I didn't know that Canada and the U.S. had different ones. So I thought, all right, whatever, I'll go. And like they brought me into their, their you know, giant family, had this big Southern cooked meal. They gave me like a nice, you know, a couple of nice presents. And then on my birthday in January, those same people had gave me gifts for my birthday. And it was, they just loved being a part of it. And Huntsville does a great job of not really separating the players from the fans. Like they can interact a lot and in a lot of places, and they give a lot of opportunities for the fans to interact. Not, you know, it's not just wait for them after the game. That's that's it. You know, Huntsville did a lot of you know reading at schools and events where fans can interact with them, and the players love it as well. And the, the fans are just so great. So I I remember when I came back playing for Knoxville, I was a little a little worried because the style of player I am, I'm, I'm you know love to hate type thing. So it was a bit of a mixed reaction. I saw a couple of Phillips sucks, but then I saw who was holding them and they were laughing. I'm like, all right, this isn't too bad then. And they, they were getting a kick out of it. And they were, they were extremely, extremely well to me. And uh, I still go back to Huntsville as often as I can because it's just, I love it there. Right. Yeah, you know, as Goose said the same thing, man. He's, you know, nothing but love for Huntsville. And, uh, you know, I love that they appreciated appreciated Goose so much. He's got his number retired there, so that's pretty fucking awesome. I always like to see when the uh, the old tough guys get their numbers retired. 
I'm not sure, but I think he's actually inducted into the Huntsville Hall of Fame as well. I think, he, fame, I, I think he is, if I remember right, for that episode. I, I can't quite remember, but I, that does sound familiar. So I think he actually is, which is fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. I actually, uh, every time I go down there and I watch one of the games, I make, I make a point to find the owner and point out to him. I said, hey, 44 would look pretty sweet up in those rafters next to 33. I'm just saying, the placement's already there. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Well, trying to poke, poke fun at it, but yeah, because we have uh, Chris George from back in the day and then Matt Carmichael and Mike DeGurst up there. And I think we got uh, uh, Stefan as well. He was just recently put up last year, I believe. So we have some good people up there. Well, I'm, I'm, fuck you! You beat uh, you beat DeGurse and Pim some years, so I mean, fuck! I think you deserve your number retired, eh? Yeah, he uh, he, he helped me with that. Dude, <laughs> I'm sure he did. He's like, you don't have to, you don't have to fight every single person. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not established. I have to. And he's like, I mean, you can if you want, but he uh, he helped me with a lot of my first pro experiences, good and bad. Um, after hockey was over, I actually lived with him for a short period of time when I was going through a rough stage. And just having that that older influence who's been through stuff um, was huge for me mentally. And, you know, on the day-to-day, we ended up having a job at the same place, um, living together. Uh, we actually, one weekend without speaking to each other, I just went to New Orleans to have fun, walking down Bourbon Street, and there's fucking goose. Like, what are you doing here? He goes, what are you doing here? Like, we're roommates. We didn't even know they were coming to New Orleans together. So we, we've had a lot of good times, a lot of good talk, and I've learned so much from him uh, that I'll never be able to repay him. Just stuff that, a lot of stuff he doesn't even say. Just I got to learn how he carries himself and how certain situations call for certain, like sometimes there's fights that just don't need to happen. Like if you're, if you're up three goals in a, in a visiting team's barn, you don't have to fight. I learned that one the hard way. Uh, I think it was against Columbus. We were up 5-2 or something, and I fought stalled. They came back and won 6-5, and I was just, I, I knew it, the turning point was when I fought. So he helped me with you know a lot of little things like that that you really only learn the hard way. Right. Well, that's good, man. You know, he, he was the one who actually directed me to you, of course. You know, thank thanks to Goose for that. Um, yes. And you know, I, of course, he was I said the same thing about you, pretty much. You know, riding shotgun the entire time together over there at Huntsville. Um, you know, it's funny to hear the stories. It's almost like you're like the Huntsville Bruise Brothers over there. Um, yeah, yeah, just I fucking just causing a bunch of shit, which is awesome. But uh, the next year, you end up in Knoxville, man. Uh, what was that like out there in Knoxville? It was different. It was it was tough too. Um, I remember in the Huntsville training camp, they brought in Kyle Sheen, and it didn't take long to realize, like, yeah, I think he's gonna take my spot. But you know, you you try and fight through it, and just you know, I had, I had nothing but love for Sheen too. I mean, he was the right guy for the job. But when I ended up getting released. Uh, one of the super fans um, that we were really close with, that their father had just died. So Gibby's, you know, trying to tell me I'm, I'm, I'm done. But the whole thing I'm thinking of is like, I got to go. I got a funeral I have to get to. And I ended up being a pallbearer at one of the fans' funerals. So I had to deal with that. And then so it was a couple of days after that, I actually had sunk in like, oh, shit, I don't have a team to play for. Like, what's, what's going to go on here? I made a couple phone calls and had some interest. And then uh, Monotzakonoff, was in Knoxville at the time, and Kevin Swider got him to get a hold of me and said, well, you know, why don't you come to, what is it going to take to get you to Knoxville? And I said, well, what are you offering? And Richmond was offering a lot more, and I chose to go with uh, Knoxville, and not for any other reason than out of spite, <laughs> pretty much. In the summertime, I was working with the, the Havocs owners, and the, the wife had just, in passing, said, like, what happens if you, what would happen if you don't play for Huntsville next year? 
And I said, well, what team do you hate the most? She's like, oh, I can't stand Knoxville. I'm like, well, then I'll go to Knoxville. She said, don't you do that. I said, well, then don't cut me. So after I did get cut, I was like, I think I have to go to Knoxville now just to prove a point. And I knew they had a really good chance of winning. And I actually hung out with Kevin Swider in the summer, too, and he's just a stand-up guy. So that made it a lot easier. Being close, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time, too, so being a little bit closer to home obviously helped. But yeah, it was nice. It was, it was interesting at first, too, because my relationship with Knoxville was they hated me for good reason. Every time I took that rivalry very, very seriously, and I always, even if it was a, a nothing game, I still wanted something to happen in it just to keep that rivalry kind of going. So I remember walking into the change room for the first time and four or five of the guys that I either stuck or fought or jumped were all standing in the locker room like, I got to get chains with these guys now. This is going to be tough. So right away, Swider came up and Craigie came up right away. We're like, hey, man, glad to have you on our side. And made me feel right at home. And then we had, uh, I think it was our first home game, they did a jersey auction. And in Huntsville, it's a bit different. Huntsville, you usually get a couple hundred dollars for everyone's jersey, some or even in the thousands. Whereas Knoxville, it's a little bit more lower more conservative and uh so most of the guys are going for 100 150 bucks and they, they did me last and right away someone's like who wants to bet on this and someone stands like 10 bucks and i was like fucking take it it's yours so they were, <laughs> it, was, it was a friendly chirp and i'm like oh it's phillips we're giving 10 bucks for it and yeah i took a it, it was a good laughing moment that's pretty funny fucking hey man so i bet the guy after and signed my sign his jersey for him absolutely that's fucking probably worth money now it's funny it's a lot of the minor league shit actually goes for good fucking money these days. You know, I think it's going to decrease as time goes on, though, because just, you know, as the more the game gets away from fighting, I don't think the jerseys are going to be the um, the same value as they were at one point. But I always love all the minor league jerseys, man. I, I have more. I only have one NHL jersey uh, that I collected, uh, and then the rest are all fucking minors. So <laughs> it's fucking great. I would rather collect minor league jerseys, to be honest, than NHL ones, because NHL ones, pretty much anyone can get by going online. But... Like uh, Danbury, the, the Matt Hatters, they, they like they got a new team with New Jersey this year. Like uh, Billy McCleary is running that team, and their jerseys look awesome. But I guarantee no one's got that in their collection, and you can only get that in the minor leagues. I remember making Whoopi used to have a pretty, pretty interesting jersey and uh, PD, and so there's there's some. I prefer the old minor league jerseys because they they have a history to it. Whereas if you get like a Canucks jersey, it's like oh yeah, history of losing in the finals and riots whereas you get like right. astral aces it's got that jersey doesn't matter whose number it is it's got history with it right exactly i think my grail i don't know man i got i got a couple in there that are pretty pretty sweet but i think my my grail right now is probably my frank by lois danbury trashers jersey that's the fucking yeah yeah it's probably up there for me um that's a good one. i don't i think i don't really collect any of them i got just mine like, i was about to say i was gonna ask you do you have one, any of these <laughs> Uh, yeah, I got a, uh, I think four or five. I got nice. two. I got a championship one from Knoxville and and my one from Huntsville um, when we were in the SEHL. Uh, so I got those two, and then I got a, the rest of them are pretty much all. I think I have two Knoxville ones and about five or six Huntsville ones. It's crazy, man. I was like but to ask keep, that because they it's, keep coming up so many. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me because actually a lot of players don't have their own jerseys, and you'd think they would at least like one or two, but. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know a few that don't have. Like any. we had, we had everything. They always said, "Okay, we're getting rid of these jerseys because it's like, well, I want to keep it." So they came up early on, like, "Okay, we're auctioning these jerseys. If you want a replica, let us know. And it's like fifty or hundred bucks or whatever. We had to pay for our own. It's fine though, um, and we can get we can get one. So you really had to start. Well, how many of these are we doing a year? Because I don't have fifteen jerseys that I've never worn. You know, so I kind of picked and choose which ones I I really liked. 
Right. Probably which ones he had the most value or not like sentimental value is what I mean. Um, like yeah, most sentimental yeah. value with like what, what, like the championship or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. But you know, <clears throat> looking over at your fight card here, when you were in Knoxville, you, you fought some tough guys. Uh, you fought Goody again. Uh, you fought bone again. And you also ended up fighting, uh, the guy you mentioned earlier, Kyle Sheen. What was it like fighting him? Oh man, I've never seen so many punches in the face in my life. <laughs> it, uh, I didn't go into that with a great headspace because it was the first game Huntsville played in Knoxville. So for me, I took that game very personally because you know it's my old team. Like I used to, I was still on the cover of the. Uh, you know, you walk into the rink and you get the the, the booklet. Yep, like the little uh, little packet yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was on the cover of it in Huntsville, but playing for Knoxville. So it meant a lot, and then out comes Sheen. He's number ten, but he out, out, he comes in number forty-four, and I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me! And I think it was Bruchella. He's like, oh, his jersey tore. I'm like, and forty-four is the only jersey you guys had left. Give me a break. So I thought they were kind of taking a shot at me. Gibby will never admit it, but I think it kind of was. So right away, I was like, we're going. And in the back of my head, it's like, he's gonna kick your ass. But the other side of my brain's like, yeah, you gotta do something. And he got me with a bunch of good ones, and I'm glad that he, he at least let me get that frustration out. Um, because not only was it like he was wearing my number, but in my head, like he took my spot and right. all that kind of stuff. And he never really took any of that in consideration. So, uh, he beat me pretty good. If you've seen the video, I got one or two in, but his, his, just, he didn't put his head down. He didn't have to either, but just, he was through a lot of punches. <laughs> Most right. of them landed on the top of my head, which is good. Cause I can't really feel that anyways. But, uh, we had a good talk in the, in the, in the penalty box actually after it happened. So I felt, I felt pretty good about it. There you go. Fucking squashed it all right there. <laughs> yeah. A couple punches in the face will do you right. It's amazing what that can do to, to people's uh, relationships. Oh, yeah. It's funny. It was the same thing like the military, man. If you're pissed at each other, you just fucking kind of duke it out for a second and then like, go back to having beers right after. It's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I know you can't do it nowadays, but I remember when I was in like, grade two, they used to have like, a, a, a wooden it was like a boxing ring. And if two kids got in bad enough trouble, they'd put gloves on them. You know, big giant gloves are almost as big as the kids, and let them duke it out. Oh they my god, that's fantastic! And, was, and then it was over. But you can't. You know, that's like a great team. So, you know, nineteen eighty six or whatever it was. So I don't think they're allowed to do that now. <laughs> that, that's fucking fantastic. You could have like I fucking was, yeah. have like Fight Club going on in in school. That's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't be a teacher. I would have gotten in trouble. I would have been like placing bets on kids and shit like that. Fucking a. Oh, absolutely. I'd be in one kid's corner like this kid's a punk. He doesn't even drink all of his juice box. Man, yeah. come on. You can get him. Take him down. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck Punch him in the ear. Yeah, instead, instead of the fucking like squirting water to the mouth, you squirt like a fucking Capri Sound or like a little juicy juice. Like, all right, buddy, you got this, <laughs> yeah. man. Let's fucking go. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Putting Play-Doh on the gloves rubbing their eyes. Yeah, fuck, right. Yeah. Put a little Vaseline on their fucking face. All right, you're going to duck these punches, kid. You got this. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. One more round. You're right. Fuck. That's fucking hilarious. Um, another guy you fought, uh, another tough cat, was old Dennis Sicard. What was it like fighting him? Oh my God, Denny, Denny, Denny. I wanted him so bad when he first came in the league because this fucking punk would just come in with no goddamn shoulder pads, all the swagger in the world, and nothing to prove for it. Like there was no reason. And from where we came from, that why does this guy think he's so tough? And then you get him a couple scraps, and it's like, oh shit, that's why. So I think the first time we went, he spins a lot, and we had a decent one. He beat me for sure. And the second time, I actually broke my skates, 
and I had to borrow one of our defensive schemes, and the two sides was too big. Definitely an excuse, but not why I lost the fight. The, the, the one I was, I was just so mad I couldn't, that I lost the first one. I couldn't focus on what I was supposed to do, so I fought out of frustration, and he just he pumped me a few good times. I always wanted a third one, but then by then, then he got uh, he got traded to Huntsville, and we actually I met him off the ice a couple times, and he's a great, great human being, just a stand-up guy. But he could play too. That was just crazy. When he was Huntsville, he was leading the team in scoring, you know. So he was he was good. He was he was good because he was honest. He didn't hide who he was. If if he if he melts you, it means he doesn't like you. And if he's gonna fight you, he's gonna fight you honestly and clean, and then that's it. Well, kind of old school. He's he's for a guy my height. I'm not that big. Um, he was a guy that I like to just have a punch in the face contest with. Right. Because we're both going to get a bunch of shots in there. No one's really going to knock each other out. You know, it's a possibility always. But uh, I always felt good. Well, not that good because I didn't win them, but uh, due to technicalities, I'll say. But he was a great guy to fight because it was it was it was a, he was a gamer. You were in it. It, it wasn't just the fight that was on the line. It was, you know, your pride and your record. Uh, like, this guy beat me last time. I got to beat him this time. And it just, it seemed to amp up the game a little bit more. So right. I love I, I love playing with Denny. Right. Yeah, I mean, it fucking, I mean, like you said, just that, that stand back and kind of get just have a punch in the face contest. There's always the fucking... It was always great to watch. <laughs> um, it's like, oh, fuck, what is a uh, fourth line voice? It's like a great video fight where it's it just always looks good on camera, you know? Yeah, I remember, I think it was my first year, it was Tom Wilson, big boy, and uh, Jeff Hansen, another big boy. Uh, and I had heard this before I saw the video, but they lined up and just said to each other, we're going to stand here and punch each other in the face until one of us gets knocked out. And sure enough, that's exactly what they did. stood toe-to-toe, didn't do any defense, and eventually one of them got buckled and, you know, didn't, wasn't knocked out, but, you know, he bandy-legged and went down and they had a respect to, you know, stop the fight then. So the first time I heard that, I'm like, that's absolutely insane. How do you, like, half my game is defensive. And I, I heard it and I saw it. I'm like, i got to try that. And it's not as fun as advertised. <laughs> right. That's false that's advertising. That was not nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I don't know why I thought this would be funner. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Um, well, uh, speaking of Tom Wilson, and mind you, for those listening, that's not that's not the Tom Wilson on the Capitals. That's not, it's a different Tom Wilson. So don't don't think that's who we're talking about. Um, but you know, what yeah. was it like fighting him? Scary. That one was scary because I had seen a bunch of those old videos, and the girls had filled me in on a couple of them. When I fought him, I was in Knoxville though. But uh, Deuce had told me like just be you know very careful with him because he has a left uppercut that's just deadly. And uh, he was actually trying to fight Affinati. And for whatever reason, I'm like, no, I got this. I don't know why. Affy probably would have done better than I would have. But we actually stopped, and I grabbed him. And he's like, hey, how about we uh, – I had my gloves off and everything, and he still had all his stuff. And he's like, why don't we square up? And I'm like, all right. So as soon as I let go and he took his stuff off, I was like, why the fuck did I do that? I had the advantage. So we squared up, and uh, you see that I'm just – I'm nervous. And I just kind of grabbed the seatbelt to try to get a couple shots and – Jersey ended up coming up over my head, and he took it easy. And I joked about him in the penalty box. I'm like, you're lucky. He's like, why am I lucky? I'm like, well, ref jumped in right when I was getting ready to make my move. <laughs> <laughs> but he pretty much had me beat since the moment I, I squared off because he's just – he's one of those guys I wanted to fight. I, I would have liked a couple more chances at it. He had a couple chances the year before, but it was playoffs. So he kind of got shut her down there. Like, really good battles, though. Um 
And that's one of those ones where I'm, I'm glad I got to in there and mix up with them at least once. I would have liked to have done it more, but at the same time, I'm probably lucky that I didn't get to do it a lot more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fucking. He was, he, was, he was tough. I'm looking at this, uh, that, that Hanson versus Wilson fight. And yeah, I was fucking just punched in the face until Wilson buckled. That's pretty, that was pretty fucking good. That was a good one. Yeah. Right at center ice too. Everybody, everybody had a good seat there for that one. Yeah, that was, that was the, the heavyweight fight of the year, I think. Uh, and like, it was, I don't want to say planned, but people knew that it was a possibility of happening before the game. Right. So like we knew about in Huntsville before the game even started. Right. It's kind of those, uh, yeah, I was going to kind of talked about a warm ups a little bit and they're going to have a fucking go. Yeah, it was from what I heard. It was just phenomenal. You see the video too, as you can see, it's 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 an entertaining fight, and those are big boys. Yeah, there's some big motherfuckers there. Um, well, so your your tenure in the SPHL comes to an end uh, after that year with Knoxville, and you know there's like a year gap in between when you played again, and then you played happen. You happen to play one game. Uh, and the new, it's not the old IHL, the newer IHL, and they came back out after. I think it was after like the UHL folded. Um, and you played one game with the Flint Generals. How did how did you kind of get signed for that game? <laughs> yeah, that one was that one's a story in its own. Um, I our old trainer and our backup goalie were up playing in Flint, and I had a missed call from our trainer. And then Mickey Mickey Meter actually was the backup, and he called me. He said, "Hey man, what's going on?" And just from the tone of his voice, I already knew what he wanted. And I'm like, "What's going on?" He just you know the. the five minutes of talking and finally like quit fucking around. What do you need? And he's like, well, this big donkey in uh, Bloomington just kicked the shit out of one of our top defensemen. We need someone to come up here and kick his ass. I'm like, well, why are you calling me? He goes, cause you're crazy. I'm like, all right, when do I go up there? He goes, I'll get <laughs> Fair the enough. To call you. So like, I, I have a regular job. I haven't played hockey in a year. I was going through a divorce. So I didn't even know where my hockey year was. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll make a drive. So I ended up working out with the coach, a contract and I uh, rented a car and drove from Huntsville, Alabama to Flint, Michigan. I got in about four o'clock in the morning at the hotel. And this is, this is where, you know, hockey players are a different breed altogether. Only a hockey. I walk into the, to my room and I'm sharing a room with another player that they brought in from the, the Quebec league, some big Russian monster. So I walk in, see him. He's asleep. I just get my underwear and I jump in separate bed, mind you, <laughs> but I jump in my bed and go to sleep. What other person can, you know, walk into a hotel room, have a giant scary man in the same room and, that you don't know and just be like, I'll sleep next to him, it's fine. And I just, I just, I've always felt like that's a hockey thing. You know, we knew we were in the same team. We knew we were there. So I got up there for that. I did uh, warm-up, pregame skate. I thought I was going to have a fucking heart attack because I don't know the last time I had skated and I'd been drinking heavily for the year before. Uh, but I got warm-up out of the way, which was good. And then uh, warm-ups was, was fun. There was a lot of shit talking going on. It was a, And they had promoted it all throughout Flint, too, as the revenge game. Like, they brought in these three goons to fight these guys. I'm like, oh, shit, who's the three they brought in? He's like, you're one of them. I'm like, oh, oh really? fuck. That's, that's <laughs> a, I mean, I'll do it, but I wouldn't say goon. Like, I'm going to piss some people off, sure. Um, so, yeah, they, they, it was just it was tough getting everything going. And it almost happened in warm-up, and then it got broken up. And then I actually never got a shift. I, I, I went on the ice for a face-off. Something that, oh, yeah, one of the guys they brought in cross-checked this guy in the face so before the puck even dropped. So I got pulled off for a penalty kill. So I'm sitting at the end of the bench. Uh, I'm sitting with, uh, I can't remember his name, but it's Manon Rayum's brother. He was the captain of Flint at the time. And I knew that he had two Stanley Cup rings. So I'm sitting next to him, just smiling like an idiot. And uh, he was like, Silly, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, dude, this guy's won two Stanley Cups. 
if I can get a picture of me sitting next to him in a professional game, that's huge. And he's just sitting there laughing like, you're an idiot. And then some guy on their team kind of made a comment at the coach. And I got up and walked down to the bench. And he's like, Billy, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just want to go see what this guy wants. He's like, don't do it. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. So as soon as I got over there, I just took my stick and tried to jam it, like spear him in the face. <laughs> with, or in the chest, at least. <laughs> right. Like, from our bench in, into their bench. Turned into a, like, you know, a left kind of punching around the glass thing. And I just thought, this fucking glass is getting in the way. So I kind of jumped on the bench and pulled the glass down. And the glass fell into our bench. I thought, I could springboard off of that into their bench. And that's going to look awesome. Well, then I forget, well, about skates and, and glass. So as soon as I stepped it, I slipped. And all that went into the bench was my head. And I had about six different fists just fucking up. Because me throwing them at me. And I was like, shit. So I, it kind of gets broken up a bit. And the ref's like, you're gone, you're gone. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't even do anything. And the, the, the coach just looked at me and goes, well, might as well get your money's worth. And I was like, I think I know what that means. So I waited on the bench, and then once they started escorting that guy off the ice, I jumped the bench and went after him, which would have been really cool, but then a line thing caught me halfway and tackled me and spun me to the ice. And he's like, are you done? And I'm like, man, I can't breathe at all. I'm actually kind of glad he grabbed me because I'm out of shape. <laughs> so the whole, I'm in a change room. I'm just like, I hope they pay me for this. I, drove, I took a weekend off work for this. <laughs> so it was, I had, uh, the, there's a radio show guy in Huntsville, uh, Mojo. He wanted to, it was, a game that was on TV, you could pay-per-view it. So he got home and he's, he called Carmi. He's like, where the fuck's Phillips? Like, I'm like 10 minutes into the first period. Where is he? He's like, oh, he's already kicked out. What do you mean he's already kicked out? He goes, yeah, he got kicked out. He got 17 minutes in penalties. How many shifts did he get? Not one. So <laughs> that was my, that was my IHL, uh, or secondary IHL experience. I was going to ask, man, because it, well, it only has you listed down as 10, 10 minutes. So I, I don't know if you either fought twice or All if you, uh, then, yeah. yeah, I don't know if you fought twice or you got a misconduct or what. <laughs> you probably got 10 in the game, right? <laughs> I think it's just a 10 in the game, yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess I didn't count the fight because it was that pathetic. <laughs> well, you know, you have a couple guys I want to ask you about. You know, I know you only played one game there, and I don't know if they happen to line up with you there um, on the team. But when, uh, one of them is Tyler Willis. Uh, did, was Willis there while you played? I don't remember him. The only kid I kind of remember uh, from the Bloomington team was this young kid who was supposed to be really, really good. And he got kicked out of the OHL for running a goalie or something. And so instead of finishing his last year in the OHL, he was playing down in Bloomington. And he actually ended up having (laughs) this big Russian guy that they brought in. I guess he just had enough of trying to get guys to fight. So he just straight up ran the goalie. Like, the puck wasn't even like the puck was near the blue line. He just went right through the goalie and then turned around <laughs> and stood there like, what are you going to do? And no shit. Both defensemen looked at each other and skated up the ice. And this kid was the last one left in the zone. He's like, ah, fuck, I guess I got to go. And good for him for sticking up. But he, uh, he got taken out back and oh, showing sure. a thing or two. That's, sure that's for sure. Oh, that's funny. But, you know, good for him for sticking up. But yeah, that's, that was the only guy. And I, I can't for the life of me remember his name. Fuck yeah, the only one was asked about Willis was he was the one, and I don't know if you have you ever seen that UA? It's like mic'd up UHL video. No, oh, uh, it's, it's funny as shit. Yeah, with Chelios, it's got, it follows uh fuck Jason Ralph on the uh, the Ice Hogs, and Willis is the guy he's chasing around, and he's just Willis is just giving him shit the entire game, and Ralph's just getting pissed. He's like fucking Willis, I'm gonna run that fucking cunt. You're just getting pissed they off fighting, the entire time. I don't think they ended up fighting that game. I don't think they ended up doing it. Because Willis was just, Willis was like the shit, like the just the shit disturber, man. He would just sit there and, uh, every, you know, every story I've heard about Willis is like, he'd fight. Don't get me wrong. He's a tough bastard, too. He's actually got some great fights on YouTube. Um, 
but he'd be like that that agitator that would just get under your skin and he was just pissing Ralph off the entire game and so he's the entire fucking time he's mic'd up and he's just like you know fucking Willis is gonna get it and you know, fucking Willie he just every time he'd go back to the bench that's what he would fucking say um, so I just had to ask about him I'm so glad I didn't have that mic'd up idea back when I played because the shit that I would have said is most of I mean you keep it within limits obviously no no wives children or girlfriends Right. But the other shit, like that's what I love to do. I just love to get other guy's skin, um, just to piss him off, just to make him take a penalty because at least then you're contributing something. Um, so yeah, I was I was very much that kind of player as well, um, and I didn't mind, you know, if someone answered the bell, I didn't mind, you know, answering myself. But most of the time, it was just to piss people off, get them off their game, let them know I'm there, so maybe get the puck away quicker. Um, it was more of a threat that way, I think, than I was offensively. <laughs> hey. You, you served your purpose, and it works, man. It, fuck it. Well, that video is living proof of it, you know, getting Jason Ralph off his game the entire fucking time. I got to see if, fuck, I got to <laughs> see if I can get into contact with Willis. That'd be fucking hilarious, man. Um, That'd be a great one. Another another guy I wanted to ask you about, um, and this is just for me being a Mallards fan, because he was the old goalie for the Mallards. I don't know if he was there when you played, but it was a, a European guy named Sergei Zhivagin. Did you ever, you ever, you know, have any run-in with him at all by any chance? No, not Zhivagin, no. I, nope. The name is familiar, but I, I cannot put a face to it. To be honest, he was only there for. He only played eleven games, so I don't know if he was even there when you were there. Uh, you know, during your tenure there for your one game. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I, don't, I, I actually I had so much to take in in that that one game. It was it was the, the well. I first went to. Uh, they told me where the arena was, and I pull up, and there's about thirty people walking out with AKs and rifles and sniper rifles. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? But you got to remember, it's Detroit. <laughs> So I guess they had a gun convention on the other side of the rink. So these people went in and bought all these automatic weapons and are walking out in the parking lot. I'm thinking I'm walking into a shooting. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And some of the guys on the team are like, oh, that's normal. I'm like, it's normal to have this many people walking out of the arena with automatic rifles? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay. That's, that's <laughs> me for me. The, the crazy thing I saw was in, uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, they had a sign like, no, uh, no firearms while past this point, but knives are okay. I'm like, why would they even make that sign? <laughs> so yeah, the, the Detroit thing really kind of threw me off. Right, fucking a man. Well, you know, you put up you you played six seasons. Well, I guess um it'd be let me see here, it'd be seven including the IHL, I believe. Um, or no, it'd still be six. Um, and you managed to rack up f- almost fifteen hundred career penalty minutes. Um, well, like, did you ever look back on it and just think like, holy fuck, how did I do that? No, not really. When someone, uh, I was at a Huntsville game a couple of years ago and they had a, it was like a trivia thing. It was like, who holds the record for the most Huntsville penalty minutes? And I was in the stand and I was like, ah, oh, Scoose. And they said my name. I'm like, what? That can't be right. And then when someone actually told me the number, I was like, holy shit. Like, did not, if someone hadn't mentioned it, I wouldn't have dawned on me. Um, the one year I do remember was the 316 penalty minutes or whatever it was. 390, you had 396 one year, man. That's what it was. Yeah, I thought it was higher, but I didn't want to pump my own tires. Now. So <laughs> well, fuck, I'll pump them for seen, you. Uh, it was that, there was that full documentary on uh, oh, it's a bunch of fighters. I can't remember. They followed uh, the Memphis guy around a lot. Oh, fuck. Uh, the, the, t- the, the Tough Guys documentary. Tough guys. Yeah. yeah, they follow Kevin Holiday and fucking Melda Chuck and shit. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, and when I saw Holiday going for a 40 fights in a year record, I was just like, you know what? If that's the record, I never heard what he, he had finished, but I was just like, I'm kind of close. So I wanted to get 40 fights that year as well. I think I got like 
35 or 36. And then uh, like six or 10 games left in the year, I got a separated shoulder. So I couldn't do it. And I was like, motherfucker. Oh, but fuck. yeah, my hands were beat to shit. I mean, a lot of the fights weren't, you know, you're going to have some some scrum fights that are considered fights and some guys that shouldn't have fought that fought in there as well. But there's still some, you know, still a lot of fights and a lot oh, of. Oh, for sure. A lot of wear and tear. I had some, I had a lot of fun that year though, too. That fucking documentary is awesome. I remember watching that like for the first time. Um, oh man, I was in like I had to have been in like high school maybe, and just looking at it, and that just only fueled the fucking my love for the tough guys. And I'm over there like hockey DB and all their fucking stats, then going back and looking at all their shit. Um, yeah, fucking Melton Chuck in that documentary makes me laugh when he fights Brandon Christian and dummies him, and yeah. he's just like pumping <laughs> up the crowd, just woo. Just going when I saw, crazy. When I saw Christensen, I'm like, where the fuck did they get this guy? Then I find out Mike Clattenburg, the guy that directed it, he directs Trailer Park Boys. I'm like, did he pull him out of Trailer Park Boys to put him in this documentary? Because he doesn't look like he's from Skate, but no, he's apparently a real player. That motherfucker lasted a lot of years in, that, in the uh, the Quebec League. That's where he ended up. And then he played until the... Oh, fuck. He was probably there until all of maybe two or three years ago, now that I think about it. He played in the Quebec wow. League for a long fucking time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's another reason why it's the Quebec League, I think, is a good thing because I guess he would be one of those guys that's just a fighter. I, I don't really know much about the rest of his playing career. But uh, for guys that just want to do that, and that's all they are good at, at least there's somewhere for them to go and they can still right. try. Because at the base of it, it's the love for the game and the love of what you're doing. So, I mean, if he managed to you know, notch out a long career, even in the you know, Quebec League, just doing that, and that's what he liked to do, that's... That's great, I think. Yeah, I've I've never been one to judge some, but like you know, if a guy wants to go to the fucking Quebec League and fight, let him. Like, why the fuck am I going to sit there and shit talk him? He's trying to make a living, Better make some money. Let him stay in the street and do it to strangers. Right, exactly. You know. Um, so yeah, I was actually just I, we just re-recorded this episode with uh, with Fourth Line Voice. I'm, I'm actually doing an L and H special to try to cover the Quebec League and talk to some guys throughout it. Um, but yeah, I've never understood that. Like, I understand people don't like the sideshow aspect of it, kind of, you know, like the, the 30 second, like one minute long square offs and, uh, you know, kind of pump yeah. up the crowd. Like, I understand where people have a distaste for that, but don't, sh- don't knock the guys just cause they fucking, they're not playing in the ECHL. Cause a lot of the guys, they came from those minor leagues that, that league, once it started getting money, they would come from the ECHL, uh, CHL, a lot of guys UHL. Could play in the, in the American league or some of, some of them were even ex NHLers that just, didn't want to play in the show or couldn't play in the show anymore, so they just went for the money and played played down there. I mean, there was a lot of talent. Oh, fuck yeah, there um, was. Away, away from the toughness. The toughness obviously gets it, but they, I remember Goose telling me, he's like, yeah, it was a tough league, but there was some really good talent in there. Oh, yeah, when it got to that, like, 05, 06, when that league really got a fuck ton of money starting to go through it, they were having a lot of fucking, a lot of skill guys, and they're like, you know, yeah, there'd be, the three fights off the opening face-off and the occasional, you know, shit that goes on. But the hockey itself was actually really good fucking hockey. And that's what people kind of don't yeah, understand because it's just labeled as that league. The was telling me, I think each team, their number one line, what, they, they, not that they wouldn't fight, but they just weren't fighters. They were they were the skill guys. And some teams even had two lines of that. And the fighters from other teams, you know, kind of understood and respected that to some level. Like, they're not going to just fuck with this guy just because he's on the ice. You know, a lot of it, they, they knew who they were fighting before. They knew who the second fight was going to be before. They knew who the third fight was going to be before. So I, I thought it was a good aspect of, of both sides. I actually got asked to go up there, I think it was between my second and third year, uh, in the summer, uh, 
Paul Revere actually had called me up and we had a couple conversations and I managed to talk my way out of it. Uh, that's <laughs> one of my biggest regrets too, is because I wanted to go just to kind of test myself, but I was a bit of a chicken shit and our coach was like, well, if you go up there and you break your hand, you can't come back here. I really liked it in Huntsville, so I didn't want to screw that up. And Goose didn't say go or don't go, but he was like, just, you know, just realize it's real. It's, it's, it's a scary thing. So right. I, I decided not to do it. I talked my way out of it. I just asked for too much money, which finally it was up to like 1500 bucks a game. He's like, sure. I'm like, fuck, really? Like, fuck, dude. Um, Stop, how man. About, how about two grand? We can't do two grand. I'm like, well, then I can't come with two grand. But just like, this is monotonous, man. Like, fuck, just say no already. Because <laughs> it's really man. hard to not go somewhere where they obviously really want you. Right. Exactly. Yeah, fuck. Looking at Brandon, I'm looking at his stats now, man. That motherfucker played up until 2016, 2017 season. So he, play, he played there for a long fucking time in the LNH. Fuck, you look like an old man I'm 15 years ago on the document. <laughs> the old <man>. skullet. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. For those out there listening, if you if you haven't seen that at all, uh, definitely go check it out. It's just called Tough Guys, and it's a documentary of, like, hockey uh, hockey fighters in the South and kind of, you know, growing the game in the South. And it's pretty pretty interesting. You know, Kevin Holiday breaking the record for most fights in a season, and then uh, you got Marty Melnichuk in there and a couple other guys, too, and, of course, Brandon Christian, like we just talked about. But Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a guy that looks like a, a cane from wrestling. Yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. Fucking A. But the good thing about that documentary, too, is when it showed uh, Holiday breaking the record, there was no celebration, there was no teammates even, because he's just something he accomplished by himself. But, and that's the good thing about hockey, too, is you don't always do it for recognition. Right. And that was a perfect example in that movie. You know, he, he broke a record that had never been broken, and there was no fanfare, there was no celebration. He did it because he set out to do it, and he did it. Exactly. Yeah, fuck, I, I might have to, that's, I might have to watch this. That's the thing this. about tough guys. I'm gonna have to watch it right after, but yeah, it's true. It's you know, it's it's the most underappreciated. Like it's it's the most loved job in hockey by fans, but it's the most underappreciated at the same time because people just kind of look at the tough guys and oh, he's just a dummy who could fight. Well, no, there's a lot more that goes into it, and you know the shit that you put your body through with just just your hands alone, and not that's not even including any shoulder, or knee, or back injuries that you do when you're throwing punches or even your face because uh, it's just yeah. very underappreciated. Yeah, like the hands, it's, it's, you know, when I was done with hockey, I was like, shit, I gotta find a hobby now. And I tried guitar for a bit and I couldn't, <laughs> nope, could not bend my hands the way that they need to. And they've just been in too many scraps to make them move how guitars do, or like a piano or certain things, right? So, and you know, when you're growing up as a kid too, you don't think of stuff like that. You're just like, I'm just doing whatever it takes for this moment. I don't care what's gonna happen when I'm 40, I'll figure it out then. Right. Then it happens, and it's like, ah, oh, shit. I was going to ask, you didn't become a hand model or anything like that? <laughs> uh, belly model, maybe. Yeah. And then become <laughs> the, the world's first uh, oversized male swimsuit model. The old plus-size model. There we go. Yeah, fuck it. I'll be, I'm right there with you. I'll be... I'll be I can, I can model hair and back shaving equipment all in the same ad. <laughs> fucking A. Oh, man. Well, Luke, this has been fucking unreal, man. You know, what, what a great interview and, you know, covering your career and... You know, I always love talking to the the guys, especially from the minor leagues, um, in the old, and especially in the South, and leagues like that. That kind of, well, the SPHL is still kicking, but you know, like the old WPHL and stuff like that. Leagues that are kind of underappreciated. Um, the old Whipple, yeah, a lot of guys got their starts there, and it was not easy starts. No, uh, the Whipple. Kind of I've, I've heard, I've heard the the Western Professional League was pretty much the LNH before the LNH kind of deal. Like as far as the fights go, like there was just. It was game in, game out fights everywhere in that fucking league. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty intense from what I heard. Yeah. But there was also still talent down there, too. Oh, 100%. But back then, it was, I mean, looking back on it, it's almost like that old school mentality of like, you're either going to make it and live through this or you're not. <laughs> right. It's like two go you know, in, one go out kind of, kind of like, deal. Now it's like, well, what do you mean I'll live through it? It's just a hockey game. It's like, yeah, but back then it was more than that. It was, it was like Braveheart every time you stepped on the ice. Right. Fucking. It. it was like, who was it? I think it was Terry O'Reilly in the last Gladiators documentary that described it as like Thunderdome, where it's like two go yeah, in and one come out kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And I, when, I, when I came up too, I always had the older guys. I always gravitated to them because they'd been and seen through so much. And I was convinced that I was born 10 years too late. So it would have fit in perfect with that old, uh, that old Huntsville crew that just scored, fought, and had a great time. Not that I didn't do that in Huntsville when I was there, but there wasn't as much. The fighting was starting to kind of on its way out as my career was ending. Right. Well, man, I just have one more question for you, and we'll get you on your way. Um, you know, if you had to do it all again, would you do it? I'd probably change a few things. I'd still do it because I, I think no matter what, it's good to have passion for something and to go for it. And if you don't go for it, you're never going to know. Um, I could easily sit here and say I wouldn't have the head injuries or the, the body malfunctions that I have now if I hadn't played hockey. But I could also sit here not have played hockey and miss out on all these great things, these great people I've met, all the people in the South that I've met, everyone along the way. I mean, the hockey community is just such a rich community with good people, and you don't realize how small it is. Right. It's it's a very it's a very small community that's very vast at the same time. But right. I, like I know almost any team. Like when I talk to people, um, like when I talk to my buddy Dale uh, Purinson, he can mention guys that we've never been in the same room with, but I know who he's talking about. And it's like, oh, I played with this guy. I'm like, I played with him too. And even though he was in the NHL, it's, you can still relate. Exactly. So it's kind of it's kind of, and that goes all the way from you know minor hockey to juniors to you know, to pro and to European levels and all that stuff too. I mean, there's always these tree vines of, of connections that I know this guy through this guy and you wouldn't get that without hockey. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all pretty like the hockey community as a whole. It's pretty, it's all one big family at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I see it on Twitter and, you know, of course I was never in any of the leagues or anything like that, but you know, it, it's always funny, especially that I don't know if you're a part of it on Facebook there, but the best enforcers and hockey fight group uh, I started. And it's funny seeing players talk about like, you know, players like yourself and they'll go back and be like, oh, yeah, you, you know, remember this time going on and, you know, remember that or when we were in the locker room doing this or when this happened on the ice and everybody still remembers it. And it's fucking it's awesome to see that. Yeah. What I liked about that as well, too, is that uh, like I remember this happened when I was talking with Dennis Card, actually, he was in Huntsville. Uh, we, we had a, a beer and recapped our fights and I never thought that would be something that would be done, you know, cause he played in Richmond and I was in Huntsville, but then to actually sit down and be like, Oh, that's how you saw that. Okay. Well, that's how I saw it. And it's like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. And you could just, I mean, the waitress like, are you guys talking about fighting? We're like, yeah. Who'd you fight? Oh, each other. <laughs> what? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. Probably looking at you like yeah, you're that's, fucking that's crazy. And I, and I think I, I think I am a part of that Facebook group as well. It's just so cool to see like, so many people that you know through other people or you've heard stories through other people and you can put faces to and even talk to and connect with. Right. Exactly. 
And that's kind of, that was one of the big things about the group that I kind of, you know, wanted to have. And, you know, I've had good moderators on there. Fuck, I even got old Todd Scrooby St. Louis. Fucking, he's on there as a moderator. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's all been good, man. Um, Well, I I can't thank you enough for coming on to the show, man. I really do appreciate it. Uh, You know, it's... Hey, thank you for having me. Guys like yourself deserve a lot more recognition than you actually get. Um, So, again, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I appreciate it, and I feel honored to be a part of this. So thank you. Absolutely, man. Well, you have yourself a good night, all right? Have a good one. Bye-bye. You got